You know what's happened, don't you? Hi guys, Steve here, you're listening to my podcast, 50 Uses for the Word Love, the podcast where every week I sit down with a different guest and we split the human condition into a shattered mirror of feeling, emotion and complexity, which could all fall under the one limiting umbrella term, love. I've had a lot of fun talking to people so far on the podcast, and it's been intriguing to me uh, what I've managed to cut out of every episode. And the thing that I always end up cutting is uh, conversations about comedy, because obviously I'm talking mostly to stand-up comedians, and if you put two comics in a room together, inevitably they're going to start talking about stand-up. So there's a good 10, 20, sometimes half an hour cut out of every episode. Not that I don't think that's interesting, but there's just a lot of podcasts out there that do that. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to collect it all together and release it as one awesome comedy supplementary episode. However, it was almost impossible to separate that element from the chat with this week's guest, William Stone. Billy's star is on the rise. Uh, he got to the final of BBC New Comedian Award and was heard on BBC Radio 2 and 4. He, he's got a show coming to Brighton Fringe and then later Edinburgh Fringe, Gathering Moss. Please go see that. And he's basically acknowledged to be pretty much one of the nicest guys uh, on the comedy circuit. He's also one of the most thoughtful comedians out there, like so much uh, craft goes into his act and consideration and so uh, he has a really interesting spin on today's topic like today's topic could have been basically a kind of surface level deep cut geek fest and there's a little bit of that oh there be geeks here but again a lot of that in podcasts these days so instead what we get is this really lovely considered chat about comedy and harkens back to a time when comedy had an innocence an immediacy and a universality Basically, William Stone has that rare thing, especially in this trend-obsessed cutthroat time in comedy, a purity of comedic intention. Hope you enjoy the chat. Take it away, Billy. You alright? You're listening to 50 Uses for the Word Love. Today's form of love is nostalgia. 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 How was your Christmas? Uh, good, yeah. I spent it with my in-laws in a nice country village outside Worthing, so... I was quite close to Brighton, didn't have to travel mm. miles and miles. And yeah, it was good. Enjoyed mm. it. I had uh, some epic kind of like family time. I had a wonderful moment with my niece where basically uh, my niece is now like almost four and she's mm-hmm. just so funny. That's a good every, age. Every, yeah, every time she's like, she does this thing where um, she, she tries to play games with us and she just tells us what to do. Oh, right. But yeah. then the games become incomprehensible. Right. Like, she'll, you'll have to play this character and then suddenly you're not playing this character. you do what you're Yes, about. you have to. Like, in fact, if you have an artistic spirit, like my one of my older sisters does, the other mm-hmm. auntie, mm-hmm. you're fucked because she wants to try and, always wants to try and make it more interesting. Get and a like, good narrative in there. Dude, no, 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 dude. This isn't, this isn't an art project. Do exactly what the knee says. And then she did this thing where she said, you, Uncle Steve, you have three parties. And you have 20 parties. And we're like, we don't even know what a party. We're like, we're just dancing in the middle of the room. And she says, and I'll have the one party, the main party. And then about like 20 minutes later, we were all having a conversation. And she just jumped into the middle of the room and went, no more parties. <laughs> oh, that's great. Love it so much. I absolutely love her. Okay. Hello, everyone. Welcome to my podcast. This is 50 Uses for the Word Love. I'm Stephen Trumbull, and I love the opening credit music to the 1990s Chronicles of Narnia TV show. I remember that. Yeah, man. I was actually listening to it on loop for about an hour before you got here. (laughs) It fills me with so much warmth. 
it's that kind of na 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 na. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm getting I'm getting glassy eyed yeah, now. Yeah. It feels like you're having a, a hot toddy with some married badgers. Did you have a lot of hot toddies in your childhood home? Only on television. <laughs> <laughs> but I feel I feel a wave of warmth in me because Aslan is on the fucking move, and we all just got to get out you know of his what way. Blew my mind is I I thought I was a fan of that right, and mm. I, I I was obsessed with it, and I watched it over and over as a child, and I only found out this year, well last year now. That there was more than one episode. I thought it was just the one, oh, the first wow. one. Was it? So the, I got to like the see first, more of the them. first episode of Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Yeah, yeah. Right. So the, when they first go to the country house and they discover the wardrobe, and everything, I thought that was the whole story. So um, yeah, that's actually kind of beautiful because it's like it's like that it, was enough it's for me. teaching you that, that just to hope, just to dream <laughs> that something will happen. You just have the 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 flush of youth, the flush of of uh, hope from well that's the thing is you know you know when you recommend something to someone that hasn't seen something from your youth and it's it just won't ever be the same unless you were there in the moment yeah and you were really all about that like there's loads of things because my wife has seen a spectacularly like tiny amount of films (laughs) Like before, before we met, she hadn't seen any of the Star Wars. Wow! Like she hadn't seen. People Jaws. like saying that, like, though, don't they? Now, oh no, it's but like it's a not, fashionable it's, thing to say. Not, I have uh, never even seen Star Wars. Got you, yeah. But she can tell you anything about any like British comedy series from like the nineties. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so I got to like, relive all these things again, and I'd be like, "Oh, you've got to see Dark Crystal and stuff." It was kind of like that's unless so you, funny unless you're yeah. seeing it as a child. It's just not the same. I don't. Yes. I can't imagine watching it now and being like. I don't know. It's just the magic isn't there, I don't think. Well, I I, I have a friend who's uh, obsessed with Labyrinth. Mm. It's her favourite thing. Her husband proposed to her after seeing it at the Prince Charles. I tagged along with them because it was he needed to hide that he was going to propose to her. So all the friends came and we watched it in the cinema with them, and then we all had we all had to fuck off (laughs) afterwards. But I remember watching it and going like, I didn't. I liked the Dark Crystal a lot. That was my one. Yeah, yeah. And I'd never really seen Labyrinth, and all I could think of watching it was. That cop piece is a bit big, isn't it? Yes. Like, <laughs> don't defy Miss Sarah. And it's just like, it's creepy as hell. Yeah. Also, I have a weird memory of Labyrinth because I remember uh, my sisters watched it. I've older sisters, six and seven years older than me. Right. And I remember that we had an old VHS tape where they'd recorded Labyrinth. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, it was in black and white. Do you ever have that with like, like a VHS tape just get, gets messed up? I've had them messed up, but never black and white before. For some reason, it was in black and white. So for years, I had this nightmare of a child, of a baby being stolen. Mm. Because that's what happens, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She looks in the cot and he's gone and there's like lightning and it's like, you mm. took the baby. And I didn't realise it was a film. I just, I'd right. seen it and I just, for years, I had this weird, I, I thought it was a dream. I thought it was something that Gosh. I had. I don't, I've never fact-checked this, but I heard that when it came out in Germany, it was, it got a 15 rating. Mm. Because of the time, I mean, you think about it, it is about a child abduction. And yes, there is a lot of cod piece in there. I think there's. You, know, <laughs> but, um, you should always aim for a, a conservative amount of cod piece mm. in in your kids' films. Oh yeah. Yeah, <laughs> this is uh, feeding in very beautifully already to our theme for today. Uh, this podcast is all about uh, how strange it is that in the English language we have this one word, love, that means so many different things. Mm. And today's is nostalgia. Mm. And my guest today is the absolutely brilliant William Stone. Hello. Hello. <laughs> He's a wonderful comedian. You've had a, a fucking great year this year. It's Lots been of really successes. Good, yeah, You've been on uh, BBC Radio 4 and 2 with the, the BBC New Comedian of the Year yeah. final. Yeah, that was incredible. Yeah, you've just been going from strength to strength. Uh, but the, the, the reason um, I kind of thought of you for nostalgia, and I think you you came back and said nostalgia as well. So like, yeah. I, I left it open. I didn't want to kind of pigeonhole people. Mm-hmm. 
but you kind of like immediately were like, yep, yeah, uh, nostalgia, that's, that's your thing. Because yeah. you, it's, it's so funny to hear that your wife doesn't know any deep cuts yeah, references. Yeah, yeah. How does that work? Is that why uh, it works? Mm. Do you think? Um, what do you mean the relationship? Yeah. Um, it could be a bit, but it's, it's like we're coming at it from different angles. Cause the, the funny thing is she, there's loads of like very quite serious or dark films that I, I always generally like the kind of mm. darker thriller kind of stuff and, and a lot of horror and Kate's not, it doesn't, at all. Mm. But she knows a lot of those things through the parody versions by French and Saunders. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so we watched um, um, Silence say, I've only ever I've yeah. only ever enjoyed Boyzone when uh, Jennifer Saunders is is singing Ronan Keaton's. <laughs> like, she's unbelievably uncanny. But, but the, what's really interesting about that is that Jennifer Saunders is a huge horror fan. Mm. And those parodies are so well done. They're not done in like a mocking way. You can tell mm. it's a fan has made it. Yeah. You know, someone that loves those things. And it's just so well done. Uh, the um, Silence of the Lambs one is particularly good. Yeah. Have you seen it? I, I, I must have sometime. Yeah, it's so I think... because they, they kind of transplant so that rather than, you know, Clarice Starling wants to be in the FBI. Yeah. It's kind of like someone that wants to be on the BBC. And, and they, <laughs> they paraphrase that line when he says, all the way to the FBI. Yeah. Says, all the way to the BBC. Yeah, it's just so well done. I think I think also there's a, there's a rather um, unflattering hindsight parallels <laughs> of the BBC. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Likened to Silence of the Lambs. <laughs> They're probably a little too real, some of those uh, deep cuts. Yeah, I, I think the one that I remember is... Um, I was me and my brother were so addicted to Star Wars when yeah, the Phantom yeah. Menace came out yeah. to the point that we are dyed in the cloth Phantom mm. Menace apologists. Like, really? Yeah. Oh, big time! I think it's fine. The pod race—you were the right age for it. The yes. lightsaber battle, sure. That Jar Jar Binks is wholesale a problem and needs mm-hmm. to be taken straight out. But my brother fixed Jar Jar Binks mm. in one scene. Well, how's that? I don't know if I should. I don't know if I should. Well, I can always cut it, but this is this is going to be a spoiler for episode one. What? <laughs> You're right. Nobody's seen it. <laughs> it was a notorious, notorious art house film at the time. Yeah, no. Um, I just don't know if because it, it's such a great rewriting. That's what my brother does with his brain. He rewrites okay. scenes. All right. That he's too good at coming up with how things should be. That if he doesn't see something he doesn't like, he mm-hmm. fixes it in his head, and you can almost watch that version. So I, in my head, right. have this version of the Phantom Menace in yeah. my head, where um, the bit where Amidala kneels down in front of the King of the Gungans, uh, mm-hmm. Boss Nass, yeah. and says, I ask you to help us. No, I beg you to help us. We mm-hmm. are your humble servants. Uh, and she's just revealed that she's not even the queen, that she's the hand, that she's pretending to be the handmaiden. Right, yeah, yeah. The, yeah. the queen is a body double played by Kira Knightley. Um, Do you not know that? That's Kira Knightley's like that's <clears throat> one of Kira Knightley's first roles. Oh, wow. She's the she's the fake queen. Ah, that's really amazing, amazing. David said, and so then Am- Amada, you know, Padme, she closes her eyes, but then when she opens them, Jar Jar is kneeling down in front of her, and then you find out that Jar Jar is the king of the guns. <laughs> yeah. What? That's good. And that he's been pretending to be an idiot. <laughs> For the whole That's film, amazing. so that so that he could because he needs to know if he can trust the people of the Naboo. Mm. And how do you see how do you see if you can trust someone? You see how they treat the, the weakest person. People, yes, yeah. And so that even that would change everything. Even that scene where they're in uh, Coruscant in the middle of the film, and he's like, "Use the people gonna die like that," mm. and she's like, "I hope not." And then he says, "Gungans no dying without a fight. We're warriors." So he's basically it's like a diplomatic scene, but they don't even know it's happening. <laughs> he's offering her an army. <clears throat> he says, "If you come back to my planet." I will give you an army. Mm. I heard someone say like, oh, that kind of takes away from her story. And it's like, no, it doesn't. It just makes yeah. that they're both like keeping their cards close to their chest and he's inspired by her 
to help. You know, it's yeah. basically the same scene, but not with an mm. idiotic character that ruins yeah. the whole movie. <laughs> well, it's almost as if they were that committed, no, that uncommitted to the character. They didn't want to give it a backstory in case they had to remove mm. it. <laughs> <laughs> that's the French and Saunders one that I remember. There's oh, that's brilliant. And every Menace. time it cuts back to Padme, she's got a completely different makeup <laughs> and outfit. Yeah. I always remember every time they say ambassadors, they take out some Ferrero Rocher. <laughs> <laughs> okay nostalgia as described in my um, uh, limited research yeah. is obviously a, d- a deep sentimental longing or feeling towards a time in the past or a period yeah. it's a Greek compound word from the word nostos which is a, a Homeric word so Oh, Odysseus is coming home. He's feeling a little nostos, you know. It basically means homecoming. Yeah. Um, and then, okay, yeah, and then yeah, algos, that. which means pain or ache, which I think is even, was even described as a medical condition, uh, a kind oh, of a, wow. a melancholy. This is what's so interesting because yeah. you look at the word now. Oh, I, I love, I've got that T-shirt for yeah. for you know an old yeah. band. I love nostalgia, whereas yeah. it used to mean sadness. It can it can definitely be both. I think. Hmm. Because um, it can come with a kind kind of a longing, mm. and there can be like a there's so many it's like there's false nostalgia like oh this was so much better and they actually analyze it yeah. no it wasn't I think there's a lot of that going on politically at the moment yeah and there's the kind of nostalgia just like oh it's, I think it's mainly because generally speaking for most people's experiences the younger you are the less responsibilities there are yes. so it's, it's easy to be like oh, I remember when I could just be obsessed with this TV show and nothing yes. else matters because yeah you didn't have to go to work you didn't have to pay bills you know you could just mm. be, that was your uh, world you just, about, and so yeah. I think that's where half of it comes from it's not even it's almost as if the things you're nostalgic about are sort of incidental you can yeah. you can just like will up some nostalgia sometimes it's almost an know? accident of birth as well I think there was a line in the West Wing that I always loved in one of the later seasons of the West Wing where they're talking to an old democratic leader he's just one of the old geezers mm-hmm. and they talk about the good old days and he goes that's the thing they don't tell you about the good old days the good old days weren't really which mm-hmm. I always thought was a great mm-hmm. line yeah. it's like people have this this kind of I was the t- rose tinted spectacles sure, yeah. about the the old days. I, I tried to write down the things that I was nostalgic about. There's the Narnia. That's like a of huge course, one. Yeah. That was the first one that came into my mind. Really? Because it actually makes me happy. Yeah. Like it, I can I can simulate happiness mm. by humming that sound. Um, that's one of the things that I can quote, and Kate will know what I'm talking about. Exactly. Because even if it's just the way I'll say lamp post, <laughs> 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 and she knows what I mean straight away. You know. <laughs> and uh, she really loves Turkish Delight so at Christmas I'll always yes, like, Turkish, Turkish Delight, delight. Uh, no my brother my brother he did it literally today it's mm. the um, Morgrim captain of the secret police long live the queen <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then the thing that's terrifying about that is we always remember that because it's so scary you don't uh, expect yeah, him yeah. to go oh, yeah. he's, also, he's also a man with a wolf nose stuck to yes. his face. He doesn't look like a wolf at all. No, no. And then there's a bit that's the cliffhanger to the next episode. And then mm. at the next episode it goes na 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 and you get all warm and happy. At the end of the credits it goes na na da 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 and I was doing it today and then David went because that's the beginning of the next episode and it like freaks you out. You're like, no, I thought I was past that bit. No, it's a reprise. <laughs> it scares the shit out of me. He did it to me today and I was like Fuck you! Don't do that to me. <laughs> no, but like I've, I've got things like um, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Oh yeah, I have a really nice memory attached to that because, as well as comedy, you know, I I do illustration as well. Mm. And I remember being so excited about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles coming out, and it's mm. all you know, seeing the the adverts for it on TV and stuff. Which one? Um, the first animated series, right? Yeah, and um, 
I think back then it was even called Hero Turtles, not Ninja, but I can't remember. Yeah, in America it was uh, okay. Hero Turtles. Yeah. yeah. And then the day it came out, I remember my mum shouting upstairs to me saying like, oh, Will, the, that program's on you want to watch. And I was just so lost in my drawing. I was like, oh, I'll watch it another time. Yeah. But it's so strange to think back that like I was that into that then. I'd even, no, I even well, realised I was into it. I was that into it. I wasn't, I forgot about the show that well, I couldn't wait to well, see. Like, oh, this is, I, I'm also an artist. Yeah. And I became a good artist kind of from childhood. Like there's pictures that me and my brother drew from which say by Steve age two. Right. That one of our parents has signed for us so that we right. can't even write yet. Yeah. But they've made sure that there's like record of it. Yeah, and like yeah. we used That's to draw nice. the bad guy giants from the BFG Oh yeah, movie, yeah, yeah. With David Jason as the voice of the yeah, BFG, yeah. wonderful casting, totally yeah. brilliant film, uh, scary as fuck. Really Great was. kids film, but all the there's so many bad. There's like twelve of them or something. I think the evil giants. Yeah, I don't know. Exactly, you know, Blood Bottler and Meat Tripper. Yeah, and and they all were so well designed that they all had personalities. Mm. And you can see these pictures that I did when I was two, mm. and you can tell which one it is. Oh, oh it's wow. Blood Butler! It's like, yeah, you know, yeah, like, yeah. That, is, that is so Blood Butler. I think it's also a testament to the design that they've done things that, that stick in your head like that. So mm. that even a child can recognise that's that one. Exactly. That's that one. Exactly. Yeah. Kids are so smart. Like, it's, mm. it's something it's something I've noticed with my nieces, you know, that they, they pick up on stuff immediately. They're just sponges mm. for everything. Uh, I used to draw Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles in oh, school, yeah. and then kids would ask me to draw them something. I used to be the guy who can draw you a oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, great. Yeah, and yeah. give it to you. So that was almost like a popularity. It almost became yeah. like, and like dinosaurs, I was the best. If you need a dinosaur, I can sort you out. Just I general get, dinosaurs of the TV show. I can get, no, no. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> See, you've got everything, man. This, 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 uh, I, I, I bow to you and your nostalgic uh, wealth of knowledge. Is there anything that you're not, you, that you're not an expert in? Is it? Oh, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean like, where, where are your gaps? Where are your holes? In, there's, well, in one, pop culture. A huge one, Harry Potter. No, it just passed me by. I don't, I don't, I just, I can't explain why I don't care because it's like trying to explain to someone else like why Star Wars was so amazing. Mm, mm. If you just weren't into it and you weren't there, it's like, well, yeah, it's just, it's basically a Western in space. You know what I mean? Yeah. Really. Yeah, exactly. But, um, and even though I've not seen it, I'm like, oh, it's just so ch- Wizards. Yeah. Wizards are so childish. <laughs> I mean, I love Game of Thrones and I love Star Wars. It's like, yeah. it's all the same thing. It's just, yeah. it just for some reason there was no connection. And also, I was not a reader. I never, mm. really not a reader now. Mm. And I think that was most people's, like, we all read it at school kind of thing. We all yeah. knew the characters. So the films were like something on top of that. Whereas mm. to me, it's like, oh, it's just this new film that came out. Yeah. It's four kids. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So I was like, I was just not my hotel set. Because thinking about it, when the film, when did the first film come out? It must have been late the 90s. Film, I was, no, it was uh, 2001. I remember 2001. because it was running parallel with Lord of the Rings, which was my yeah, big uh, deal. Yeah. So you had Fellowship and first Harry Potter, yeah. t- 2001. Mm-hmm. And then you had Two Towers and Chamber of Secrets, 2002. Right. So they were coming out almost every year at right, the same time. Right. And all I remember was that both films had a troll in the first <laughs> one. But the troll in Harry Potter was fucking shit. It just looked like Shrek, badly rendered, and like no character at all. Whereas the cave troll in Fellowship of the Ring is just mm. oh, it's, it's, it makes you feel sad for him when he goes. And then right. the second one, they both had, um, or they were, they should have both had giant spiders in them. But the mm. Lord of the Rings saved theirs for the um, the next one. But so, so, so all, if it was two thousand and one, I would have been yes, yeah, seventeen, maybe nearly even eighteen. I don't mm. know. So it's kind of like the idea of like a bunch of kids yeah. with wands was a bit like. It's not for me. Yeah. Uh, because I hadn't read the book, so I was like, I had no attachment to these characters yeah. or anything. Totally. But it's so huge. Like, people use it in comedy all the time. Yeah. And I'm like, this... And it's it's helped me learn a bit of a lesson, actually, because I... You only know your own experiences. So I I used to do a lot of references in my act, and I'd 
realize like it's almost borderline autistically just assume everyone knew what I was talking me about. Me too. Me too. And it's like, oh yeah, people don't even if they've seen it, they don't mm. remember every line like I do, or they don't know yeah. what color hat they were wearing, and yeah. you know that kind of thing. Yeah. And, it's, and it's kind of like it has to include everyone, mm. and so it's you can make a reference, but you've got to have all the information in there right. that allows people to understand it. Right. You know. Because I was going to ask about that as well, sure. because you do a lot of nostalgia-based comedy. In fact, I would say almost it's almost like you're it's what you're the king of. You're really good at it. Oh, thank you. No, I think so because as you say. I have a problem in that I love a good niche reference. Sure. But I, kind of the Harry Potter thing, if, if, if everybody knows about something, I'm not interested in it anymore. Yeah, and when you're that's, a kid, that's so, and, that's and really you, interesting. When yeah. you're a kid, mm. you don't think about whether everyone else loves it. Yeah. So if you're a kid and you watch Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, you don't go around thinking, oh, but that's so basic. <laughs> I'm such a basic well, I, bitch. I, Who's your favorite? Leonardo? Oh my God. <laughs> you know. I think a part of it, comes from I don't know if you have this experience I don't trust my own judgment enough to get swept up in something so I have to watch mm. it like I didn't watch Donnie Darko till like three years ago because everyone yeah. was talking about it <laughs> you're better like, off you're better off and I was like if I watch this I'm just going to be kind of it's either going to be ruined because yeah like I can't live up to everyone's expectations of yeah. how much I'm supposed to enjoy it. Yeah. Or I'll be like, oh, it wasn't that good. You know, kind of... Yeah, well, that's kind so, of what it is. I and, mean, I, and I watched it. I thought, yeah. it was all right. But I can imagine at 18, it might have blown my mind. But like yeah. to watch it as an adult, it's like, yeah, it's all right. I spent, I spent entirely too many years being proud of myself for watching yeah. Donnie Darko. And, and when right. I say too many years, I mean anything above one year <laughs> right. of being proud of yourself for liking yeah. Donnie Darko. Well, and I even use it as like shorthand for like if something's out at the minute that I suspect... Hmm. Isn't as good as it's being raved about. I'll be like, oh, it's a bit of a Donnie Darko. Exactly. Like I've I've done the same with Black Mirror because it's so everyone mm. loves it. I'm like, I haven't been able to bring myself I to watch touch it because I feel like I I love sci-fi quite a lot, and mm. I feel like if it's made for a broad audience, it's going to be like something that like uh, there's no way to say this without sounding arrogant, but like kind of like a level level mm. philosophical thought. You know mm. what I mean? It's yeah. kind of like, <laughs> and I just suspect it's going to be something like, oh, what if humans, but. So have you, you ever know, have you ever watched any of it? Never seen one. Right. Well, I will recommend. I'll recommend yeah. one episode. Yeah. If I could recommend one episode to you, and that was the only thing you ever had to watch, uh-huh. it would be an episode called San Junipero, and it's about oh, everything we're talking about today. It's about oh, nostalgia, really? and San it's, Junipero. it's San Junipero, and it's right Jun- like juniper. It's like, it's two words like San. It's like a, it's like, <laughs> right. a, it's like, a it's like a like a city. Oh, San right. Junipero. It's like San Diego or something like that. Got you. And it's so unbelievably. It actually makes me. It's such a. It's a, just a well-told love story as well as a piece of science fiction satire. Great. And I think it's. I think it won like an Emmy and all that kind of stuff. Mm. Like it's truly great. And I think so. If you if you only ever had to watch one, they should do that with more things. Don't you think there should mm. be like a, a one episode of everything? That if yeah. you don't watch anything of it, just watch this one thing and then you're mm. done. Mm. But what was the point I was going to make about this? It was um, it was about your type of jokes that you do. Sorry, yeah, yeah. It yeah. was the type of jokes you do. Because I'm the guy who wants to do jokes with a niche bit. Sure. But by making it the joke that I want it to be, it's too niche. I think I've got um, a unique thing. Where, well, it's not unique, but the, what, the, where it works for me is that half the point of my characters, I assume that I'm doing comedy right and I'm mm. getting it wrong. Right, So yeah. So it kind of helps if it doesn't work in yeah. a way. Um, do, do, do you understand what I mean? So I completely understand. It's kind of like I'm being like, oh, trying to be relatable, and mm. it's obviously very specific to my experiences, yeah. and that's the joke. So I can make a get away a bit with being like, 
Would you know you... when this happens mm. and everyone's like, no, and that's the joke. You yeah, know? yeah, so, exactly. Uh, there's, there's room for manoeuvre there. We talked about this on uh, the Spotlight part. Uh, uh, oh, yeah. William and I were on a wonderful uh, Star Trek podcast called Spotlight, which we Woo-hoo. had a lot of fun. Oh, it's such a good show. And, um, but you talked about Spock in that. We yeah. were talking about about the, your persona on stage that you're kind of being Spock this, or Data, yeah, the character the, who doesn't quite understand. That's ostensibly that human, step. but yeah. underneath it all, there's something that gives away. Oh, you're not quite. It's mm. like the Uncanny Valley sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I was going to ask you about that. Do you your character? I mean, would you call it a persona or would you call it a character? I can never make my mind up. Right, because I think I whenever I refer to it as a character, I suddenly become really aware that, but there's no actual world there. It's mm. just. It only exists while I'm on stage, if you know what I mean. So there isn't a character, yeah. uh, but there is. And, and I think it's Persona. But I'm also, what I'm trying to do more recently is I love where the line blurs and you're like, is that a character or not? Mm. You know, so mm. someone, um, do you know Matt Hutchinson? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I was chatting to him. Uh, he's a great comedian um, in Edinburgh. And he was talking about how James Acaster's act, unless you knew him personally, yeah. you'd assume that's what he's like. Yeah. And that's something I find really fascinating is where does that... And that's... This all kind of links back to fandom and nostalgia mm. as well, actually, because it's that, like, you love something so much, you find it in real life. Mm. You know, and it's kind of like... And I love that stuff. Where it's, is that yeah. who they really are? Well, and like, was I never really was a huge fan of his. Right. And only recently have I thought... I like repertoire. It was sure. good. Yeah, yeah. But my favourite part of repertoire is when you realise he's talking about himself through a character he's talking about bombing on stage. Right, and I suddenly realised, oh shit, he's talking about himself. That's not yeah. the point of this bit. He's finally kind of opening the doors mm. a bit. And then I heard that this year's show, he's a lot more confessional. And That's so, there's, so in my head, I'm like, oh, this could be the James A. Caster that I'm ready to get on board with. I was right, the same right. with Sarah Silverman. I, I used okay. to not like Sarah Silverman's jokes because all her jokes were just so against the grain that mm. I, I always want to feel like you're talking to me. And That's then, so interesting. Uh, what's that? Is it Dust Stardust or what was the name? Um, of the... Yeah, speck of dust speck of yeah, dust yeah. was brilliant because she finally was like talking about her marriage to Michael Sheen and yeah. her sister and yeah. you know getting sick and yeah. suddenly I felt like oh I get it's it you're sharing now yeah. I, I don't know why I'm a but that's I, interesting because yeah. I can like both because I know there's some people it's a real dividing line I've felt this with I think some comedians I've met they just can't I've seen them watching my act and looking almost in bemusement like <laughs> but like why aren't you trying to be cool or interesting mm. it's like it's the antithesis of what a lot of people go you into you cool they, and interesting that's what's cool about you <laughs> no I mean the, the character is meant to be a bit yeah a bit. no but you but visually you're interesting like you're the only comedian I know who isn't an actual quote character act unquote mm-hmm. who has a costume Right. Kind of. You have you. You yeah, always yeah. wear the same thing. It's yeah. a chosen brand. Like I was sure. actually surprised you're not wearing it today when you showed up. I was like, oh, he's not wearing the. And then I realized, of course, he's not wearing the thing. Well, he's just he's Willie. He's I, Billy I sometimes Stone. sometimes have to draw a line and be like, oh, yeah, I'm not being the character for this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like I was sometimes because I'll buy like something for my, for my character. I'm doing air quotes here. Yeah. And then I'll find myself creeping into my life like my, these trainers I bought for yeah. my stage character because they're really white and they'll yeah. like show up on stage similar to Michael Jackson. Who apparently he used to yeah. wear the white socks so and gloves so you'd pay attention to his hand and yeah, yeah yeah and, yeah <laughs> and um, 90s yeah you're, yeah you're a 90s that's your oh, that's sure. your decade isn't it and then i think 
subtly it was an excuse so I could wear them in the daytime when yes. I wanted to. You know, you can just buy yourself a pair of shoes, I know, man. I know, imagine, imagine. <laughs> but, yeah. but I was going to ask a bunch of questions about the, sure. the outfit because it's like, oh, yeah. just it's just in a kind of geeky comedian level, like sure. how many do you have? Do you have to keep them ironed and pressed? And like, what, how much work goes into <laughs> well, just keeping up with that one character trait? So I think this is an interesting point, actually, because I've recently, I've not been wearing the, because I used to wear a tracksuit, is what you're referring yeah, to. Yeah, the tracksuit. Yeah. Is it teal or kind of just have turquoise, bright uh, turquoise? Turquoise and dark blue and the other one yeah. was black and turquoise and got the pink piping um, and, oh, uh, I love a good pink piping me oh my god oh. Um, that's your poor name isn't it yes yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no it's my it's my genre <laughs> but um, no so I used to wear that um, partly because it's I felt like especially being quite new and I'm still relatively new from chatting with other comedians it's like there's, there's something that used to come up a lot it's like oh it's really great Seeing that point when the audience like get on board, yeah, and I thought I need to bring that close to the start so they they get on board sooner. Because like they said, oh, it's it's just weirdly for them they enjoy that scene like they're not sure they're not sure like oh okay mm-hmm. they start to get it. There's something fun in that, but for me, I wanted to have a visual clue before I even said anything. This guy's going to be a bit strange, yeah. Do you know what I mean? So they're they're prepped mm. rather than like oh I thought he was just going to be like how are you doing tonight guys. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Then talk yeah, about. Yeah, exactly. I was on the bus on the way here, you know. Yeah, so it's like there a is that clue, moment. I've seen some comedians who don't have that mm-hmm. and they go up on stage looking normal. Mm-hmm. And then there's they have the opposite moment where mm-hmm. the audience is like, oh, okay. Yeah, right. <laughs> oh, it's going to be all this for the rest of the act. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like, you know, but, and, and the thing is, uh, that sounds like I don't rate that type of comedy. I absolutely adore your so, comedy. Right, right. But, but I, I find it very hard to get on board with certain types of acts. Who have that kind of one-liner quality? You're sure. one, you're by far the best one-liner comedian that I've. Oh well, uh, thank you. <laughs> uh, at least met, but like, because you have that Mitch Hedbergian thing where he did a lot of those types of jokes, but they never felt like jokes that you could just find in a joke book. Mitch Hedberg was like an observational comedian, yeah, yeah. But the observations were of himself. Like, this is how my brain works, and you're, I'm, I'm revealed, telling that's you that's it. How with it every joke, the joke is funny but it's it says everything every single joke says something about the way he sees the world yes without being like i think this yeah you know and that spelling it out and it's like because sometimes it can be with character comedy and weirdo comedy it can be a bit too like on the nose it's like oh, i'm weird yeah. because yeah. i think like this i'm mad me and, um, yeah, yeah. yeah but there's so yeah with the costume like i think i initially did it because i wanted to give a visual clue mm-hmm. and also it's kind of like yeah point of reference it's kind of you know like the the, the fashion of the 90s as well mm. so it kind of fits in with my nostalgic Sort it's of also view, just view. your jam, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but then coming back to what I said just a minute ago about the Acaster thing and the blurring the lines, like, is he real, is he not? I thought, it's too much like a costume and it becomes a pantomime. Hmm. And then it's like, I want to take people by surprise. I want to go back to what I had a problem with at the start. Because yeah. now I've got the confidence in my performance and in my material. And your posture and, comes into it as well. Yeah, and your yeah. voice, everything about it is very... I think the, the clowning really helped with that. Again, hmm. like because I was always confident, fairly confident in my writing and mm. my, you know, my, I felt like my writing was up here and my performance was down there. And so I was just study, not a natural performer. Did you performer. study clowning? For a little bit, yeah. Where, where did you do that? And I, I did um, like a, a three-month course, like workshop thing in mm. London with uh, John Davidson. Who, was that before or after you'd done, started the stand-up? Was it like you did stand-up? Way, then... way after I started. Because wow. I don't know when we met. Because uh, we, We've met about three years ago. Right, so it must have been quite near the start. But the thing is... Do you I, remember I, it changed? I, I remember before the tracksuit. Right. Were you always this style uh, of, um, of comedy? Or, or could someone, if they wanted to, find some ancient footage <laughs> of you being like a, like a New York comic with a cigarette and a, <laughs> a, a beer in his hand talking about how bitches ain't shit? Just like, yeah, just... Um, 
setting the record straight. Yeah, um, Bill Stone, Edge Lord. <laughs> imagine. Oh, he's such a funny character. Uh, no, no, it's always been one-liners, but it wasn't character or right. persona. So I would just get up, and I was so so heavily influenced by Zach Galifianakis, right? And what I called the the, the zero delivery. Yeah. So you just get up. And That's just a beautiful me. phrase. Yeah. Coin that uh, right now. The zero it's delivery. Just you get up, and he just tells a joke like it doesn't matter if you like it or not. I'm not going to lay it on thick. I'm mm. not going to like have to convince you that it's funny because you know all about me. You know, it's kind of like, it's a joke. It's also like, I don't want you to laugh. In fact, if you don't laugh, that's even better. Yeah. Because now I can act. Yeah, exactly. But in the yeah. same way as, you know, uh, Mitch and, and so on, I think he is, he has that quality of like, okay, so these are just individual silly jokes, but it says something about how you see the world. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like he would, um, he would, he would hide little things about himself mm. in the joke. So he'd be like, you know, I like the FedEx driver because he's a drug dealer and he don't even know it. It's like he's telling you that he's a drug addict. Yeah, yeah, without being like, oh, this this crazy anecdote about yeah. the time. Yeah, and then he yeah. tragically did die of yeah. being a drug addict. You know what yeah. I mean? It's a, it's I find him fascinating as well to know that he was so shy. Yeah. That made his character... It's, it's similar... I'm not comparing myself to Mitch Hedberg. I must be... Playing. I'm comparing you to Mitch <laughs> but, um, but I have a similar thing where, again, because I wasn't that confident in my performance I thought of this zero delivery thing was a way around it and it was yes. kind of an excuse I think yes. and I was also overly influenced and what happened was um, I had an audition for the amusement right. competition yes 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 and to anyone who doesn't know it's like you have like a, what is it 90 seconds audition I didn't I, the year that I entered yeah. um, they didn't have that oh, okay. so I so never had I to did. go through that it sounded like a nightmare yeah, it sounded like it was... the, the D-Day beach scene from Private Ryan but with <laughs> comedians <laughs> The funny thing is, like, it's one of those where this is why just I always go in for any experience because you never know what you're going to get out of it. It sounds really trite, but mm. I did that, and yeah, it was horrible, mm. and I didn't get through. But what happened was because I had 90 seconds, I had this sort of weird nervous energy about me, mm. and I was like, "Oh, this this is interesting. This kind of what, this is something I could explore." Mm. And then I had a gig booked in after it. Comedy Virgins, I think, because it uh-huh, was the a- yeah. auditions in the afternoon, mm. and I'd been, done it a bunch of times, and the, you, you know they have that the mini competition yeah, every week, yeah, so yeah, you yeah, kind of win off, a little yeah. trophy and stuff. And I'd never got, I've mm. got a couple of times. To I cherish off. the two that I've got. They're on, yeah, they're, got they're, two on, as they're well. on there with next to all my real awards. <laughs> but what, so what happened was I went and tried it, but more, but deliberately tried to make it like a bit nervous and twitchy. Mm. And for the first time ever, I won the trophy, and I was like, oh, I'm onto something here. Yeah, do you know what I mean? And that could have been inconsequential, like that could have been a coincidence, mm. you know. But I was like, ah, that's the missing piece of the puzzle. Like now, it's like, okay, so this world view makes more sense from the perspective of someone that's a bit like, what's going on? Mm. Rather than someone that's quite confident and self-assured. Mm. There's a, a confidence that comes with sort of not saying anything. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, it's even more confident. Yeah. You know, the guy, and it's like when they say the guy in the room who says the least is the most powerful guy. Mm. Because, you know, the guy who's going out screaming and blustery mm. is obviously desperate for yeah. your... Yeah. So did this lead directly to the clowning? Or? So no. So then I kind of did this thing, this shtick, and I wasn't really sure what it was, but it's kind of this kind of like... I don't know what it was. I was trying to do, but I was exploring it, and I mm. think I, uh, I always try and sort of submit myself to the process, and like it's okay. Like mm. I'm new. Yeah. No one has to know that I did this thing for two weeks. That is excellent advice. Crazy. By the way. Anyone out there wanting to do comedy, <laughs> that is a that is, that is a brilliant piece of comedy yeah. advice. Just it's okay to fuck up for the yeah. first year and a half, if not three years. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And now, even now, I catch myself being like, "Oh, I can't do that because I've I've chosen this path." Mm. Like, you know, I'm not contracted to do this style of comedy forever, you know, by anyone. But yeah, um, and then what happened was a few people, great comedians who I really rate, said like, oh, you'd be, you make a great clown. Or like, mm. there's a clown in there. Like, do you know um, Chiki Kita? No. Um, she's so funny. Um, Is she on the London circuit? 
Yeah, yeah. So she's she's from Manchester. Right. And she does these incredible clown characters. Like one where she's a black hole. And she just oh has this, like, she, this stretchy bit of fabric with all stars on it. And she'll just like <laughs> suck someone up in the crowd into the black oh hole. Oh my God. She's amazing. so funny. And I, it's one of those acts where... I, and that's what's great about mm. clowning. It's like, this shouldn't be funny. Like, yeah. on paper, it's like, you're, like, you're doing what with the what? <laughs> and... But it's just, I... Yeah. And it doesn't have to make sense and that's what's beautiful about well, clowning. And yeah. like, so that that was the two... And Louise Ray. Okay. Um, yeah. Who's brilliant, Brighton-based comic. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and um, does a lot of clown stuff. Both said, like, I think you'd be a, a good clown. Yeah. And so I was like, well, I'm, I've always been less confident in my performance, so maybe that's the way to go, mm, you know? Mm. Around that time, I was really, you know, because like I mentioned just a second ago that I'm really into Zach Galifianakis. Yeah, yeah. And the show that um, He Whose Name Should Not Be Spoken Anymore produced. Yes! <laughs> um, um, Baskets. Yes. It's just Baskets. It's such a beautiful show. He plays and he, two, two roles, one of whom is a clown. Yes, yeah. exactly. And I was just like, and this is the fandom thing coming in. He goes, oh, it'll be just like Baskets if I go to yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, got this parallel life going. Yeah. And yeah. also, because, you know, so many of my heroes like comedy heroes are so associated with clown like Steve Martin and mm, Kaufman and so on yes. you know, and it's like it just made sense like these are the people I like and like I'm not even trying to emulate what they do but they have such an impact on what I, I completely do. agree I have to like explore this and then the whole point of a clown is you're the idiot mm. and so it's, if you can get over feeling like an idiot on stage you've, it's like you can't I'm trying to make you laugh at how ridiculous I am yeah exactly. and it's not it's not like I'm afraid you're thinking oh what's he he doesn't know what he's doing yeah it's like that's kind of the joke you know? yeah exactly so, I, I, I use the term uh, the, the Shakespearean fool there's one in every single Shakespeare play yeah they're the, they're the idiot but they get to talk to the audience mm. and it's because they're the fool and I think that's, that's what comedians are yeah okay so then you did clowning I feel like we're getting away from nostalgia we are a little bit but, but I mean, no but this is so fascinating from, I mean mm. I, I love I love hearing about this and uh, uh, as but, I say you, but it, uh, when it does sort of tie in is that a lot of like I didn't realise how many sort of clowns and comics I liked as a child again as a child they're just this real thing and yeah they're funny mm. but it's not like you don't think oh that's my favourite stand up or that's my favourite you know, Kaufman's and- a great example because I see people ripping him off I always say like if you want a, like a three step course mm-hmm. free this is a free three step course for being a comedian is work out who your heroes are mm-hmm. Then study them to work out exactly why they're mm. funny, and then don't copy them. Yeah, those are the only three steps. But I've never seen you and gone like, "Oh, he's just doing Galifianakis." Well, you will now. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, I'll keep my secrets away. No, 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 um, no. But early on, I would totally hold my hands up as I even tried to dress like him. Honestly, like when I was, really? I had like a polo t-shirt and I wore a jacket beard, over it. Have, yeah, exactly, look, and yeah. similar hair and stuff. But it's because like that was. I didn't have the self-confidence to think this, what I'm doing is good. So I had to emulate something I knew was good. Mm. So I was like, it's almost like, oh, yeah. it's okay then. Cause but I think all that. comedians do that. I think, first I think it's a good and necessary part of the process. Also, he has a kind of irascible quality that you don't have. What does that mean? Irascible, like, like kind of tetchy. Like okay, he, yeah, he, yeah. He, he's a bit... He can be mean to the audience. I don't uh, see yeah, you doing sure. that. No, you, that's you, true, yeah. You have a childlike purity. It's a volatility to his act as well. Like you think, like, is he drunk? Is he on edge? Yeah, like, yeah. yeah, exactly. And he's might he might just go mad any he minute. He can be standoffish. Yes, absolutely. But I've yeah. never seen you be standoffish on stage. No, that's something that... Yeah, I don't know. It's a childishness that I love in comedy where... I like comedy that's kind of... Anyone can get it. And there's mm. something like nostalgic about that in itself the stuff that when you were a kid like you didn't have to have explained to you yeah or it wouldn't have been funny do you ever think about if you become a successful comedian that one day you might become nostalgia for someone else that would be amazing 
But like, um, the iconic, the tracksuit. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. like no one will know that you had your own influences and all that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, no, well, I think that's like, that's what I find fascinating. Is the more like so some of the people I was initially into when I started getting to stand up, and then finding out, oh wait, and then you'll find someone else. But oh, they clearly influenced them. Mm. So like when my, my initial ones were like Zach Galifianakis, like I say, it was quite contemporary. And then it's like, ah, but he's so obviously like Mitch. And then like mm-hmm. Mitch is so obviously like Stephen Wright. And yeah, it goes yeah, on and yeah, on yeah, and goes yeah, back yeah, and back. Yeah. And you're like, ah, it's just like, it's like a lineage. Until eventually know? you got Gobbo. <laughs> <laughs> and his dad. My nostalgia with comedy is that, uh, it's, it's kind of hard to explain, but I feel like one line has really fallen out of fashion. Hmm. And so in and of itself, that becomes like a, like hmm. part of the act. Hmm. Because it's not, there's no immediate, and this is, sometimes I get likened to Milton Jones which is a nice thing to say but I get frustrated by yeah. it but I think it's just hope. I like to think it's because there's no other reference point it's like that's the yes. nearest you can yeah. Yeah. go to but yeah and I think in and of itself that the act is nostalgic it's a bit variety club it's a bit mm. but there's that putting this modern twist on it and making it a character but it is kind of you know the one line of comic is very much like a, a you know a musical kind of yeah yeah almost yeah you know, it's yeah. like the style of comedy is throughout and even like the kind of like holiday camp style comedy mm. you know what I mean it's, it's almost like, like so, a lounge act yeah yeah you are yeah, yeah would you ever do that would you ever do the uh, the get a band behind you that'd be fucking amazing <laughs> I thought about that that's one of the you know these phases I went through actually was when I I used to have a, like a jazz backing track I could see you do a, <laughs> I could see you do a whole fully mounted like if anyone, if anyone ever gave you a Netflix special right. I bet you it would end with a full band number <laughs> like just super crazy and insane and then it'll get bigger and bigger <laughs> yeah <laughs> it'd be amazing <laughs> You, you you talk a lot about I guess it's the nineties. Yeah, that your that's that's my. Because yeah. how old are you? So I'm thirty. Well, I'll be thirty five at the end of this month. Amazing. So, okay. Um, so we're kind of almost. I'm thirty two. My feeling is because I have, as I said, I have sisters who are older than me. Yeah. I've been thinking about my nostalgia in preparation for this, and I've realised that a lot of my nostalgia is actually somebody else's nostalgia. That's interesting. Because my sisters were teenagers <sighs> when I was a on, kid, and yeah. I. I, what I've realised is they were big Pearl Jam fans. Right. They were like Britpop, 90s, mm-hmm. you know, Pulp, Oasis. They were like the human traffic generation, like right. Ibiza when it was cool and yeah. Glastonbury and Ecstasy mm-hmm. and all this stuff. And they just made it look really cool. And But me and my brother were too young. Yeah. And so I thought I was going to get to be a young man in the 90s. Uh, yeah, yeah. And instead, yeah. I had to be a young man in the fucking noughties yes got you the only thing the noughties gave anyone was 9-11 and Mr. Brightside and that's it <laughs> those were our two options I'm not sure which is worse but, um, <laughs> no, just, I, that's I, it it's like it's just a terrible that's, I mean, that's really unfair on 9-11 no but <laughs> like I, find, I always find that funny that like every film of that decade was like it's like oh it's actually it's a bit that's a bit shit that film it's too shaky cam and like dour and like depressing and they'll be like well it's, it's a post 9-11 film <laughs> and I'm like, you know what? The Winnie the Pooh Heffalump movie is a post 9-11 movie. <laughs> well, I, I feel like that's... that's. A, 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 I think the style, again, like the style I do is kind of nostalgic for that reason too because everything now has a, a, a veneer, at the very least, mm. of cynicism to it. And kind yeah. of like... And there's loads of like TV shows that I love and sometimes I realise like... Oh, the, going back in, it's like... It's it's quite cynical and a bit... There's always got a bit of sadness yeah. to it. To, like... And I've started to notice in a lot of them, they have a similar kind of like piano-y kind of like downbeat. Yeah. And it's fine. I really get into them. But 
I loved the it unabashed blonky. kind of the yeah, blonky, yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's what I was going to use that, that phrase. That kind of Thomas Newman, yeah, John Bryan kind of like yeah, undercut the yeah. And I love that. I love that stuff. But I really like the unabashed nonsensical childish stuff of the 90s like Vic and Bob and yeah. they're still going strong because there's still a need for that kind of just like let's be silly yeah and I think even more so now because you know and bright colours yeah yes like uh, you know yeah. like I, I I don't know why I did this but about a month ago mm. I binged all of Fresh Prince of Bel-Air oh yeah I don't know why I think <laughs> and I genuinely don't know why I just think it's because of- I needed to remember that time. Yes, yeah. Because so much is different now. Yeah. There's so yeah, much yeah. weird stuff in it that wouldn't, you wouldn't be able to get away with now, like catcalling and fat shaming. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, you know, there was a kind of a beautiful innocence to it. But I just remember the, the bright colours. And also, if you're a stand-up comedian, everyone knows this. If you start singing the theme tune to that, the entire audience knows all the words. <laughs> it's beautiful. Well, that's an interesting point, too, is that our cultural references are so different now because everything is like, you don't watch everything on a Friday at the same time. Or, yeah. you know, it's kind of like, so everyone was watching Shooting Stars at the same time. And on yes. Monday, you go into work or go into school and be like, oh, and I used to, like, with your Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles drawings, mm-hmm. people would be like, oh, do George Dawes. And I do George Dawes' bit from, Amazing. from Shooting Stars. I used to be really good at impressions when I was a kid. Yeah. Um, but we don't have that. So it's now like, you, just you can be mad, <laughs> mad, mad into, like, this Netflix show that's come out. Yeah. But I can, oh, I'll watch it next week. I don't, yeah. have to, I don't have to watch it now like you did then. So our cultural references are all over the place and you can have an entire subsect of people that like, you just aren't even aware of. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Whereas in the 90s, like, you might have your grungers, your moshers, yeah. your, your ravers. and like, But now it's like, I've never heard of acid cheese upside down pop. You know what I mean? It's like, you know what I mean? Like, it's yeah. like, and it's like, and this is whole world. And it's partly age as well, of course. Yeah. yeah. But, um, we will all be replaced. Yeah. And, and they will be nostalgic for the, the, you know, I shout on the noughties a second ago, but I'm sure mm. if you're like an Arctic monkeys fan or yeah. something. Nostalgia's like coming, coming back in a weird way. I think like, <laughs> you, know, you, you only have to look at like Stranger Things. Yes. You know, people want a new, that experience, but you can't have that experience again. You'll really, never yeah. have seen the Close Encounters again for the first time. We'll, we'll never see it again. This for the is first really time. interesting. This is really interesting because mm. people are now nostalgic for because what was the word? the The original Greek word was yeah. homecoming, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. This now we only have nostalgia, or, or the, the popularized, mass-produced nostalgia, sure, sure. cynical nostalgia, yeah. is all about making you nostalgic for an age that you didn't live in. Yes. So when I was actually Most watching people these like things, I was in the things 90s. weren't born in the yes, 80s. Same. Well, I was 84, but my time was like conscious and, you know, yeah. uh, and, and, and could even like say, I want to watch this film. I was yeah. probably, it was in the mid 90s, you know. So, yeah. and yeah, like my big things were, you know, like Stand By Me, Goonies, Short Circuit, all that kind of stuff, but which is made in the 80s, but I was watching it in the 90s. Mm. And then now I really love Stranger Things, which is based on those things from the 80s mm. that I was watching in the 90s, you know, like, so I see yeah. what I mean. It's kind of, and again, I, I'm, I'm watching it thinking of my sister's you generation. Get to be, yes, yeah, exactly. you get to be there and like, watching they were the it for the first watched, time as an adult. Yeah, they were the guys who watched um, Singles and um, Heathers. Right, yeah. Films yeah. that I still haven't watched because they were yeah. always just that little bit too old yes, for me, yeah. just too dark for me. But it stays the same. That doesn't go away, I don't think. Mm. Mm. But also, also, you know, people have nostalgia for decades way before. Yes. You know, like I, I do swing dancing. I'm mm. a Lindy Hopper. So, right. so if I had to name a decade that I'm sure. nostalgic for, it would be 20s, 30s, 40s, you know, wow, bit right. of Charleston, yeah. bit of Lindy Hop. That's my yeah, thing. I like, the, really I like the clothes. I like yeah. the music. I like the way they speak. Uh, one of my favorite films of all time is uh, 12 Angry Men. 
Yeah, yeah. But me and my brother, we can just quote Twelve Angry Men all day, mm-hmm. and I try and work it into most. <laughs> like one guy, I was I was sat somewhere the other day, and a guy next to me just went, "Who's you?" Like sneeze. Right. I, I I wanted so badly to say, "Now you know your horn works. Try your lights." <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I might have been lost on it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. it was, but it's like, that's my nostalgia. And I remember sure. my brother, um, you know, if I say something sassy to my brother, he'll be like, you're a pretty smart fella, aren't you? And I know exactly what he means. Yeah. He means like, shit's about to go down. You know? do, you, do you think that nostalgia is kind of like linked to a kind of geekishness as well? Do you think yeah. people that we went to school with that were mad into football and I'm not making mm-hmm. any generalizations, but they're kind of like... The perfectly well-adjusted people yep. in school. Yeah. When do they look back and they? Oh, I loved. I don't know what their references I, are. You I, know, I'll tell like, you exactly where it is. I'll tell you exactly where it is because you're right. Because the geeks did inherit the earth. Mm-hmm. This is true. Because if I say what my sisters are nostalgic for, mm-hmm. it's not television. Right. Right. My sisters are nostalgic yeah. for clubbing. Right. Going to see bands. Yeah. Smoking outside. Right. My oh, sisters right. are just from that age of people who would just. You left the house yeah. and you did stuff mm-hmm. and you went and saw bands live. Yeah, yeah. You 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 stayed out too late, blah, yeah. blah, blah. We do that now, but we do it... Okay. <sighs> Correct me if I'm wrong, guys, because maybe I'm just I'm on the wrong side of this, but clubbing today mm-hmm. is like an entire generation of kids who don't realise why clubbing's good and they're doing right. it because they think it's good. They're trying yeah. to recreate the the, the, the zenith mm-hmm. of clubbing mm-hmm. in the mid '90s, but now it's just a bunch of young people getting high. Yeah, which maybe it always was, <laughs> but but there was a kind of a uh, it was a it was, almost, it was a weird her- heroism to it back in yeah, the days. I think maybe um, a bit slightly more rebellious act to it. It's always kind of like it's become what's the word assimilated mm. you know so it's but, like yeah. it's, been, it's become commercialised and stuff and it's but, kind of like I see them as like children copying their the, the way that their like older brother does yeah, something yeah. like they yeah. see the older brother shaving yeah. and they, they copy them There's, yeah and I think you're right because I mean when I was a student I went sort of, sort of clubbing but like I didn't uh, I don't like really busy places no <laughs> I don't like really really loud music unless it's live like a band mm-hmm. I don't like dancing <laughs> I don't talk to strangers unless like there's a reason to. Yes. So it's like, but I went every yes. weekend. I was like, why am I here? Like, I know. Oh my god. <laughs> so I've I take so, your point. I have so much like, empathy with that. Just because that used friends. to be that's how you socialise. But now there's so many different ways to do now, it. I guess, now you do it because you feel like you have to do it. Mm. You're supposed to like it, and you, you know it's horrible. Mm. Yeah, I, I don't like dancing either. But mm. I found my decade. Yeah. Like Lindy Hop. Sure, like, sure. I found. I just have to find the one that works. Yeah. Because it's yeah. the only dance. But there's that also there's funny there doing as well. It. So there's something you know you're doing the right thing. Yeah. Whereas if you're just in a club and dancing, it's like, well, I might be doing this wrong. Yeah. But whereas guess with Lindy Hop, it's like, okay, well, I know the moves, I know the steps. I know, no, no, you know. no, I would even, I would even argue with that. I would say Lindy Hop, unlike other dancers. So right. I'd say like salsa. That's like the one that like my parents wanted me to do salsa for years because right. you know grandkids uh, but uh, <laughs> but um, I, I never liked salsa because it's all too hip it's all too sexy oh, okay, right, if, right. You, if you're messing it up you look like an idiot but mm. Lindy Hop is kind of fun I just realised I don't actually know anything about it but if you're, fuck it, if, you're, if you're fucking up ballroom dancing yeah, you're pretty much then, mugging a person right. <laughs> so yeah, I, I think there yeah. is like um, yeah, with the geek thing, I think it is because like if you don't know how else to talk to people, because mm. again, it's a rules thing. It's like, but you'll know what I mean if I say this. Oh, he's a bit of a Leonardo, or he's more of a Michelangelo. Yeah, exactly. And it's like you've all got this shared reference point. If you are bad at socialising and stuff, mm. and not an extrovert, mm. you no, know, you come up with your own language, and it is formed of 
What, your pop culture? Everyone, everyone just communicates in GIFs now and memes yeah, yeah. and things like that. And it's like, you know, for things they don't even know what they are, but now they've mm. become a thing. And that's yeah. all the way, that's the only way people communicate now. What was I going to say? It was about, um, no, yeah, no, it's about how growing up, you say it's all about the TV shows we grew up with. Because yeah. I would sneak down in the morning mm-hmm. at like four o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. I've never been a very good worker. But if I wanted to watch cartoons, I'd get up at four o'clock in the morning. (laughs) And I went downstairs and I would watch... They wouldn't even have sound yet. (laughs) You'd watch Teletext for an hour. Wow. Yeah, you remember Teletext? Um, bamboozled, yeah. Yeah? Did you play the quiz game? Oh, yeah, yeah. I watch that, yeah. <laughs> and then, and then, uh, then the kids' shows would start gaining skills. Mm-hmm. So so then it's Camberwick Green, so the narrator can speak, but the characters can't. Right. And then slowly you get to talking shows and then live-action shows mm-hmm. and stuff. It's so funny how people draw battle lines now based on what they liked. Oh, yeah, So yeah. the number of times, like, when I was a younger man, so say, like, early 20s, the only way we could think to make ourselves interesting in social situations mm-hmm. was to argue about television shows. And it would be <laughs> right. like, oh, oh, you like the Thundercats? Oh, it's no Biker Mice from Mars. It's like, <laughs> yeah, you can yeah. like both shows. Like, there's things. You just yeah. an accident of birth that that's the one that you watched. No, this, oh, that's one of my pet peeves is when you get this kind of like, men of like our age that would be like, they'll say something about, you know, Jurassic Park. It's like, yeah, we all saw it, mate. You know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a really good point because I... Have a have a interesting thing about Jurassic Park. Which oh yeah, was that I was how old was I when Jurassic Park? Is it nineteen ninety five? Ninety four or five? I think ninety three or yeah. four or something. Oh yeah. So I would have been like, I would have been about eight nine. Yeah yeah. And my parents. It was the same year. I remember it was the same year that my granny died. Oh no. My mum's mum, who I loved absolutely. Mm. She was a wonderful woman, and um, and I have two big. Like regrets against my mm. parents for that year. The first was that they wouldn't. They thought me and my brother were too young to go to our granny's funeral, right. so we didn't go to the funeral. No, I didn't with my grandparents. Yeah. I know it's yeah. weird that because it's like we could have taken it, or even if we couldn't have taken it, we maybe we needed to cry. Yeah, you know? yeah. And in the same year, they didn't let us go see Jurassic Park because it'd be scary <sighs> in the cinema. That, but that's there's some truth I, to that. I can't, people, I can't work out which I'm more was... angry about. <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah. but that's a true nostalgia thing because one of my friends in yes. film school said that, and I completely agree, mm. is that the theme tune to Jurassic Park feels like going home. Yes. That's what he said. That's that's, that's beautiful. I, I've got this really really vivid memory of when having seen it at the cinema and my dad picking me up and bringing me home with my mom and maybe one of my sisters. I don't remember. Mm. See, I don't even remember who was there, but I remember stepping out of the car and walking from the driveway to the back door and having the. The music in my head, mm. just still going round. And bear in mind, I'd only heard it once at this point. Wow! It's not like you know, like when you watch yeah. it back, like, I mean, you know, I'd heard it once, and I was just having the, and I couldn't. It was just in my head, and it's like it's so. That's I, I, I don't know if I'm just old. But I don't know if we'll, do will kids in twenty years have a film that they're like, oh, you know, well, the song. I don't me. know. But it annoys me when I see younger friends yeah. posting about Jurassic World as if it's good. <laughs> it's not good. Uh, it's not good. Okay, <laughs> it's not good. Um, but it's got the same theme tune, but it's not yeah, good. No, I, don't, ever, I, didn't, I didn't even try and watch it because I just mm, didn't want to ruin the memory of it. It had you know? one, moment, it had it one moment that could have been good. Really? Yeah, because um, Chris Pratt's character plays a guy who's learned how to train the raptors. Oh, right. Which is kind of interesting because you yeah, see yeah. he's using the clicky thing. Like he's like an actual game, big game right, right. trainer. Like he trains wild animals. So he's there with them. And I realized halfway through the film that they'd missed, this, uh, they missed the trick. What's that? All they needed was for halfway through the film, the Raptors just kill Chris Pratt. 
Because <laughs> right. no one would expect it. Because he's Chris uh, Star Lord. He's yeah, Chris Pratt. Yeah. If they kill him, anyone can die. Yeah, and it yeah. would have been the best faint mm. in all of like <laughs> reboot history. They wanted to be a kids film, don't they? Oh, so. It would have been so fucking good. <laughs> oh, and to the point where I've I've imagined the scene in my right. head. It's like my version of the. He's like he's like no 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 blue blue. You know me. You know me. I'm Chris Pratt. I'm really sexy. And they're just like, <laughs> just like, like, just like, just like a ten minute disemboweling sequence. <laughs> oh, amazing. Yeah, no. Uh, I remember there was there was there was one girl I went on a date with uh, this year, and I, I thought it was the end of the story. Oh no no no! Yeah. <laughs> Did you just give me a fucking burn, William Stone? <laughs> my God! I have to do it now. I can't do it with my act. <laughs> you were good in the roast battle. You roasted Catherine. That oh, was that fun. Was fun yeah. That was good. You managed to maintain that persona all oh, the way thanks. through. It was yeah, great. It was a challenge. That's right. Yeah, yeah, no. But I remember going on a date with a girl, and um, uh, I lost. I lost her, or at least I think I lost her. I could tell when the ick was. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. And it was when she realised that I didn't know who the Moomins were. <laughs> and I swear to God, it's, isn't it weird how that just tastes like it's, it's such irrelevant stuff? Like. Mm. Obviously, there's big things like, oh, you know, I went on this date and someone's a little bit racist, doesn't it? It's like, yeah. obviously, like, you would never date them again. But yeah. then if someone's just like, like I said, if, like, your cultural references are out, it's just like, we're not going to relate. You yeah. Know? When I'm on dating apps, you'll get, like, they'll say, I'm just looking for my Louis Theroux. Yeah, Or yeah. I love David Bowie. Or I love sure. David Attenborough. Sure. I just want to find my David Attenborough. I just want to yeah. find his... And you kind of, like... I yearn for the time when people fell in love with each other and they were from different yeah, worlds yeah, and like yeah. I, like someone always said like would you ever date another comedian or when I was a f- doing filmmaking like right. would you date a filmmaker and it's like no I want to date a girl in a band no you know? I, I'm so glad that I was in a relationship before I started comedy because I my self esteem is so fragile that if I was had to perform with someone, no. someone that I dated once yeah. I was like oh they think I'm shit like they're doing so much better than me and all this stuff and all that kind of like, oh, he's sleeping with her, she's doing that. It's like, yeah, it's yeah. none of my concern. That's beautiful, yeah. And it's great. Like, I don't think I could have handled it if I did You don't have to stay 20. out drinking and, and <laughs> doing cocaine and shit. No, and, no. Oh my God, it's horrible. Yeah, I can, I, 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 I've, uh, I'm jealous. How long have you been with, with Kate? Uh, we've been married for three years and we've been going out. For going out sounds so charming. <laughs> we've, we've been together for five years. How long have you been going steady, man? <laughs> well, you shacked got, up, you shacked up yet, mate? She's wearing my pin. So, and, yeah, and, <laughs> Yeah, so we, we we met five years ago, and we've been married for three years. Yeah, so yeah. got oh. married quite quickly, really. Yeah. It's so funny again talking about how important cultural references are and stuff. Like I said, Kate hadn't seen any films, mm. and I was all about the films and stuff. But our kind of nostalgia, like connection, came through Monkey Island, point and click games. Point the and click games. Early point and click, like um, Lucas Arts, point and click games was our like that's our thing. To the point where when we got married, our table plan. Was the the na- the tables are named after the islands from Monkey Island? Oh my so, god! Yeah. Wow. Is it? I'm uh, trying to think of another point. Is that like the the worms thing where they're like? No. Is it like? Is it's a narrative based? They used before point and click. It was quest based. Uh, sorry, text based adventure. Mm, so it's mm. like you interact with people, find out what's going on, and you'll use an item with this item to get through. It's like story based. Yeah. Game. Yeah. Which in of itself, like, yeah, that's that's my jam. That's that I'm all about. Mm. Still now. And I love like new point and click games being made in pixel graphics just yes. to make them look like they were. Yes. And, you know, and it's... Well, I, I, I logged onto your website earlier today. Oh yeah, and I was so disappointed, crushingly disappointed to see that they they'd revamped and it wasn't the. Do you still have the one that's like set up like an old Mac desktop? Oh yes, so for my comedy website, it used to be like Windows desktop. Yeah. I know, I'd love it. I love yeah, it so I much. Re- re- somebody, re- somebody, re- somebody, <laughs> somebody, somebody stepped in, given a studio note. 
just made it all <laughs> made it all polished and nice, yeah, yeah. like you're a real comedian or something. <laughs> Fuck this shit. I had a bit of a shock when early on in comedy, I was like, I really want to play to like younger rooms. They'll get me. They'll get me. And a lot of my references were going over their heads. I mean, it just didn't occur to me. Oh God, I'm like in my thirties. Like, was so like, like an MSN joke I used to do quite early on, and yeah. it's like I was like this. Oh, you know, like oh, no one's getting it because they're all too old. It's like yeah. no, they ironically they're more likely. To yeah, get it. Like, yeah. If you, if you if you did a bunch of uh, jokes about uh, uh, watching pornography in a cinema, maybe they. You know, like, <laughs> Do you know what I really like? <laughs> Pornography that's shot on a 35mm <laughs> camera. <laughs> but yeah, it's that, that. There's always something there. You have the shared, like, oh, we, we have this between us, you know, kind mm. of. Even in friendships. And you're, like, you're kind of like, when you get. I love that part of getting to know someone in any, you know, not necessarily romantic scenario. And they're just like, and finally, like, oh, you love that too. And it's yeah. such a, like, again, I think it's because growing up being a bit more of an introvert, not being like. I wasn't into like a lot of the, like, I wasn't into football, I wasn't into Harry Potter, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like that's how I would connect with people. And it's, it's like amazing how I'm still only like now becoming more of a confident person through comedy, really, mm. that I'm able to just kind of, I can hold a conversation with someone if we don't like the same TV shows. Yeah. Like, <laughs> if anything, like, that makes the conversation better. Exactly, yeah. Like yeah, whatever happened to, yeah. oh, you got to see it. Yeah. Like actually, yeah. like I get to show it to you. Yeah. You can come over. We can have pizza. Yeah, I can. We exciting, can watch the thing that I love. And then, the, what, but then you end up with the she didn't like it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, there's nothing more disappointing. You're like, you're gonna love this, and they're like, you can see their face when they watch. It's like, oh, you, it's not the same. Yeah. But it will never. Be, like I said, it's like why well, we have this. Like we have things like Stranger Things and stuff because you want to have that first experience with on your own or with someone else that you that you weren't there for when it really actually happened. Like you said with your sister in yeah. the nineties. Yeah, well, I, 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 when I was doing this research into this word, I found another word, which I, I oh, thought yeah. is actually quite a sad word. Because it's I think I love about this word, nostalgia, is that how it's changed over time. Mm. It used to mean homesickness. It used to mean, uh, like, I'm, I'm sad, I'm nostalgic. Yeah. Now it means, yeah. oh, I'm so nostalgic. Oh, it makes me feel great. I hear that tune, and now I'm, I, now I think, I'm happy again. I think it's still used both ways, because, like, I'll... What did I... Uh, there's something I... I was like, it even might just been, like, a smell... <laughs> and I was like, oh, this makes me so nostalgic. But I said it like, you have like a ratatouille way. moment. <laughs> like, yeah, because the, the the word that I found is a, a Brazilian Portuguese word. Yeah. And I'm going to try and get the pronunciation right. It's uh, saudade. 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 Right. It's spelled S A U D A D E. Okay. Saudade. And it is a word that doesn't have an English translation, but it's kind right. of like nostalgia. But it's the, the closest translation is missingness. Wow. Isn't that a great word? Yeah. And it's basically homesickness for a home that is gone. So you oh, can't get it back. Gosh, that makes me so sad. I know. it's yeah. that, But it's beautiful, isn't it? I think a, that's a love where, that remains. I think that's where some of my act comes from, is this kind of, like, I don't feel like I have a home. Right. Like, because, like, and not, it's not, it is a bit sad, but I mean, I kind of like <laughs> it too, because I think it's another thing why I connect with my wife, because she moved around so much. Mm. She doesn't have that, like, oh, you know, everything's going terrible. I was like, I just want to go home. It's yeah. like, it's, home is just wherever her parents are living right now. Yeah. You know, there's no, like, oh, I need to be back in France or whatever, you know? Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, and my mum was an RAF kid, so right, she, she didn't have right. a home. She was just moving around all the time. So I have a, a similar thing, but for very different reasons, just because I had a very dysfunctional family. Yeah. And, uh, as a result of that, my mum and dad are now separated. My mum lives somewhere else. So I, d- I don't feel like I have that going home feeling anymore. Like no. My mum still lives in the same town and stuff. So I have a bit of that. Hmm. But I think part of my act, without, I, I, I don't know. And it's if it is, it's definitely subconscious. But it's this kind of like almost editing of the past. Right. You know, and it's funny that um, it was Kate, my wife, that said, like, 
for me, William Stone, the character, is almost like what you could have been had you never moved away from your hometown. Right. He's you. Oh, that's so weird. He's like, he's um the lightest timeline. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He's yeah. you from another dimension. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so... Some in some ways it's like easy to inhabit. It's like oh, it's kind of like going back to how when I used to be shy and used to yeah. like oh, am I saying the right thing and kind of mm. you know will people like me and all this kind of thing. But Completely. I'm doing it. I'm living, going over it and kind of but having control over it. Exactly. You know. And I think sometimes is I've talked to a lot of comedians where there's this kind of assumption that comedy has to be like revealing or it has to be mm. human. And I think you can argue for or against that. Yeah. But I would also argue that that is in everything because whatever you do on stage is a manifestation of how you've lived your life. And 100%. And I think there's a lot of the stuff in my I think, I think, set that people will be really surprised to know is autobiographical. You know, so, like... Such as? Um, it's a funny one. I where, mean, if you don't want to... No, no, it's okay. It's fine. Burn a topic. No, no, it's okay. So I have a joke where I, I do this bit where I explain that when I started high school... To make the girls like me, I wanted all the Ab Fab stationery. Yes. Because I thought, oh, girls like Ab Fab. They're like me if I have this. Like, not understand, like, no, but they like it because they like it. Not, yeah. you know, they're not going to like you because you like the same thing, firstly. And also, for all the wrong reasons, it's very girly. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. I just make fundamental misunderstanding. So they yeah. probably didn't think that you were into girls. And actually, to try and probably, like, save me from embarrassment, my dad wouldn't let me have it. No. So, but in my, but in the joke, it's like the joke goes like, when I started school, I wanted the Ab Fab stationery. Dad wouldn't let me. Joke's on him. I got bullied anyway. Like so. <laughs> but that's. Do you know what? Do you know what's funny it's about kind of that? Owning it and like kind of like and having no idea that that like. Maybe you know, it's because I'm a comedian. But mm. when I heard that joke, I was like, totally true. Yeah, I get it. I know. I, I see what he's doing. Ab Fab. Yeah. You, that's so specific. Yeah, it has yeah, to be yeah. true. Yeah. Like, but it's so funny how the audience doesn't get that. There was one time I kind of I kissed a girl after a show. It was right. the dream. She saw me in a show mm. and she liked me. Wow. And we had a, you know, uh, we went dancing. Oh, lovely. You know, and it was lovely. Um, but then later on, I kind of screwed it up. I'm not oh, good no. with women. I'm not, you know, right. I'm, I'm inexperienced. I'm not oh. that confident. And she <laughs> and she was like, she didn't understand. And I was like, you saw my set, right? <laughs> And the funny thing was, I talked to a comedian the friend. The clues were there. Yeah, exactly. It's like, all the information is in the set. I was yeah. headlining. I had 10 minutes. I laid it all out. And then, then I talked to a comedian about that a week later. And, and he said, yeah, but she didn't see that. She just saw you being awesome on stage. That's so funny. Confident. Yeah. That's really funny. Self-possessed. Yeah. I wonder sometimes, because like, I have a bit of a love-hate thing with the whole reveal and you know the kind of the standard yes. accepted version of a show now is that you'll have a reveal or a twist yes and I've got so much in my actual real life I could exploit you mm. which is how I, the exact word I would use to make people feel like oh you know you know right. and even when so when I do that interestingly when I do that bullying like when I got bullied anyway sometimes it's one of you know you have jokes and sometimes they work or they fail well that one either work or it fails for the reason that people are like oh like mm. people actually yeah. actually get on the gas yeah. from the, oh, from the audience like no it's okay like, I'm telling mm. you this because I'm okay with it you're supposed to and laugh. also I'm clearly a character you know I'm kind of yeah. but um because mm. sometimes they're disappointed if they're like oh they're like, oh and like no you're supposed to laugh but of course like it means that yeah. I've succeeded in making a likable character because yeah. they feel for me you know exactly. so it's okay but I think you're absolutely right when you say exploiting because there have mm. been times when I think about my you know my primal wound right and I've had times when I'm like ooh ooh rub my hands yeah, that's going to yeah. make such a good debut show, show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. oh it's going to hit people so hard and then you kind of realise that like you should never be in a situation where you're looking back at a tragic life memory yeah, and go ooh like, goody yeah. I can but make also, something it's kind out of that. like it is like because that's sort of like I said with my characters like editing history to be like I'm the fool but I'm still in control of it because I'm yeah. choosing how I'm the fool yeah do you know what I mean so I'm in my act I'm not talking about 
um, the time I went to Cub Camp and took my teddy with me because the Cub Scout leader said it was a joke and I didn't get it. Aww. So he's like, make sure you bring your teddies. And everybody was like, ha ha, I turned up to Cub Camp with this huge teddy. And the, 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 the worst part is I didn't I have one. Yeah. I, was like, I was like, I can't be the only person that turned up to How much did you so spend? I and get a teddy. So I, could, so I didn't look like an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> I don't talk about that on stage. Do you still have the Teddy? What was his name? Oh, I don't think he even had a name. Ah. So, like, yeah, that, that's, again, it's sort of like with my character. It's so I was quite naive as a, as but a I, even even I'm yeah. now. I think that's like, on him, though. Sure, like yeah, read yeah. the room, man. Yeah, yeah. Jesus. Sometimes I have this weird jealousy with my character. Like, oh, he's getting the laugh, not me. Wow. Which is really weird. <laughs> that's that's okay. That's dark. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it becomes like what's really strange because I changed my name. Yes. Um, so I mean, I'm, friend, I'm Billy to friends. But you've always gone by. But Billy I changed Stone. my surname. So when I refer, I refer to William Stone as my character because, like, in my head, I'm I've all I've got this old name, mm. and I forget that people only know me as William Stone. Like you're talking yes. about yourself in the third person. Yeah. <laughs> it's like no, no, I mean William Stone, the character. You yes. know what I mean? Yeah, it's, it's a weird relationship with that. And sometimes I always have this pang of like, oh, my heart sinks when someone says, have you ever thought about not doing a character? Mm. And I'm always like, is that that? Like, <laughs> I always assume something's a passive aggressive way of saying, I don't like what you do. Yeah. <laughs> so I can't even, but I think they mean like, oh, it would be great to just like, you've obviously got something funny about you. Why don't you explore it in this way? Is what yeah, they're really yeah, saying. Because yeah. like, it's become accepted that comedy is revealing. It's, yeah. And it's like, but, You've no idea how much of myself I am revealing when I'm doing this character. You know what I mean? Like well, I also, p- people don't understand just how much of that revealing comedy is complete fucking bullshit. Oh, exactly. Uh, a couple yes, of times yes. in Edinburgh this year, I not uh, there are times when I see comedians doing that confessional mm. style, mm. and you if you know you know them for a fact, mm-hmm. and you know that it, that's not how it is. And, oh, you, you didn't. They've invented characters. Sure. They've 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 condensed plot lines, mm-hmm. and just to make it sound like a show, and that sure, that sure. really rubs me the wrong. That rubs me the wrong way that rubs me a lot more the wrong way than someone making everything up i have so much more respect for that and i understand you never let the truth get in the way of a good punchline i get that. sure sure but there's something about when you're trying to make people think it's completely honest well when it's presented as a sincere thing it's it probably should be i don't know i'm, I'm always very wary of any, using the word should with any kind of creative pursuit yeah. like it's always yeah. should be like it should, you shouldn't use the word should with art. And I think, yeah, so you wouldn't know from the outside that my character is very much me, hmm. you know, and it's kind of like me exploring, like, if I just let myself be shy, that's what I'd be like. If I let myself, or, or like, the things that I'm unsure about, like, like when, when I started doing stand-up, I put on, like, a lot of weight, just because, well, also it's around the well, same I mean, time. That, that's real commitment. I'm <laughs> I'm good. Glad to see you're serious about this career. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I've written these fat jokes now. I can't lose any weight. I mean, but, like, um, I, I try. I'm, I'm trying. Okay, I am trying. And it happened around the same time I became self-employed. So I was at home all the time, so on and so on. I was became really, and because I was stood on stage in front of a lot of people, mm. I became self-conscious in ways I wasn't before. Mm. Like I never thought, like, oh, what if people think I'm a bit fat or something? I didn't really. I was obviously yeah. a, a base level that most people have. Like, oh, I hope no one thinks this of me. Yeah. Being exposed as like. And especially, you never like photographed or looked. You, you never look your best on stage. Like, yeah. There's harsh lights on you. You're above everyone, yeah. and it's like. And I was. And so, I'm exploring like that. In like, I have a few jokes in my set where I talk about mm. my appearance or my my weight and stuff. In a way that I probably wouldn't quite. I mean, it's different because we're just one to one. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. But I probably wouldn't be that frank with friends and people, mm. you know. But and I can on stage be like, and I, and I almost like gauge people's reaction. Like if they laugh a lot, it's like. Okay, so that's either so ridiculous that that's funny, or yeah. that's so. And it's like, oh, you laughed a bit true. too hard. Yeah, <laughs> like, 
like that KFC joke. Oh yeah, yes. Yeah. Well, it's I can like, see what you yeah, mean. Yeah, that's but, why my Renaissance painting joke always yeah, goes down yes. so well. It's like it's like it's so true. I think we all do it. Like even the people that are doing the confessional, the honest stuff, you're still choosing which bits of the story to tell. Yeah. You know what I mean? You're still choosing what to be confessional about. You're still yeah. choosing what to be revealing about. To the point where I, I'm actually thinking of doing an about turn yeah. for like my Edinburgh plans. Right. Not for this year, but for like, I was always thinking about what my debut show would be and what the sure. show would be after that. And I always used to think, oh, I've got this bombshell that I'm going to drop. Right, right. I always thought I would do that. And now I'm starting to wonder whether or not, as you say, if it's exploitative or if it's... Well, and kind of keeping the mystery be, as well. Maybe I should just be funny. You know, it's, it's... Yeah, well, yeah. I think there is... A lot of pleasure comes from not knowing the full story sometimes. It's right. like, like like we said with Edberg, it's like, oh, that's how his mind works. But we don't know. Like, mm. But it's kind of like, there's a bit of mystery there. Like, what made you like this? Rather than like, oh, I see. So this happened to you when you were five, and now you like this. It's kind of yeah. like, well, the, yeah. the, the it's kind of like the, the mystery's gone. Yeah. And that's where a lot of the charm comes from, a lot of the uh, magic. It's like, yeah. I don't know why this is happening. It's yeah. so much more exciting than having to know exactly why everything is. I think the blurring yeah. line thing is a good idea. Yeah, yeah. I think because... Treats the audience with respect. It's the mm. audience will feel like, oh, he's allowed me in a little bit. Yeah. And he, he trusts that I get what he's doing. People like, we came for a show. Mm. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. do your thing like, and do you commit think? to it. And I, I, always do, I always commit. Like yeah. Coming back to being a big fan of Zach Galifianakis, it's almost doing the reverse of what he does where his main stand-up is him. Mm. And he has this alter ego that's a bit of a weird um, Seth Galifianakis. Mm. And it's, kind of like, it's almost like I've started from the Seth point. Yeah. And like I could create this alter ego that's like the well-adjusted. Will yeah, you know yes, what I mean? So yes. This, this, I genuinely have thought about that. And the I moment, have this weird yeah. rivalry between us. The moment you, the moment you step on stage and do something completely different, it's going to be hair-raising for anyone who's seen your act. You <laughs> knows you're like, oh, what is happening? It will just blow everyone's mind. Well, I've got that thing that I can exploit in a way. And um, as you know, I've got loads of tattoos. Yeah, um, and that just to me didn't add up. It's like that means people read that and think extrovert, mm. but there's something about it. Being on stage with tattoos is like there's an assumption there that you're probably going to tell it like it is, or yeah, yeah. be a very confident. So if you person. had your arms exposed, it tells the audience what kind of guy. You're and they've made be. their mind up instantly yeah. about you. They think, oh, you're about this. So are, that's are why all your tattoos nostalgic. Most of them. They mostly the mostly pop culture references. Mostly, they? yeah. Can you give us a can you give us a rundown? Um, what have I got? So I've got... Um, oh, he's flipping it off. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a Grim Fandango tattoo on the Amazing. inside of my leg. Okay. Uh, which is a LucasArts point click game. Really? Yes, yeah. That's cool. I have a Origami Unicorn tattoo. Nice. On the inside of my... From Blade Runner. Oh, of course, yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah. Deep um, cuts. That's probably... Well, I've got a Pee Wee Herman on as well. <laughs> yeah. Another clowny character. Yeah, yeah. 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 This, was, this is one of my... Two things that was going to circle back around to. Yeah. All right, well, we'll, we'll put a pin in it. We'll put a pin in it. Um, yeah, right. no, I was just going to say, it's funny about nostalgia, just to bring it back to nostalgia. Um, the the way that the culture keeps trying to give us nostalgia, I yeah. think it's kind of like when your mum is trying to find a wife for you out of your ex-girlfriends. Like, <laughs> right. do you know what, what about Tron? You really liked Tron. She was nice. <laughs> do you want to maybe call Tron? Have some more Tron? And then they, they release it and people are like, eh, it's all right. Yeah, but yeah. we thought you liked Tron. Like, yeah, that's how you get things like fucking Terminator Genesis where they've got all yeah. the, the nostalgia right but they forgot mm. to actually make a fucking film. Well, that's why I loved 
the Twin Peaks reboot because I wanted right. to have like again I'm it's one of my favourite things of all time that's the thing that that's I can't watch tattoo of but it's Twin Peaks tattoo. amazing but, yeah. what is it but, um, I've got um, well it's there and there not the other one I forget which arm's which right but, um, it's the symbol from the Black Lodge okay see the thing is I can't <laughs> I can't watch the new one because I haven't really watched the old one I right, know right. a lot of the cultural references to do with it sure. but I feel like an imposter right, I feel like a right, nostalgia right. imposter if I watch the yeah, sequel before mean, the original yeah. and then what if I watch the original I just don't get it sure sure well this is the thing so that was one of the things that I wish I was around yeah. in the 90s when it was happening and I have this false nostalgia that I wasn't there mm. but I love watching it for the music and the, even, but even within it's like Inception like so mm. Twin Peaks is in and of itself is like a nostalgia for the 1950s Americana yeah. like everyone is inexplicably kind of like the, a lot of the women look like kind of like pinups and stuff yeah, yeah, and yeah. the music is very much like kind of like a jazz and rock and roll soundtrack so it's got nostalgia within, you know, that. So when they made the new one, they I wanted that kind of like, oh, I'm watching Twin Peaks for the first time. Yeah. But they did the best thing they could have done and made it different. Because yeah. it would never measure up. Amazing. It would never measure up. It would just carry the story. So if somebody else had done, hey, you're rebooting Twin Peaks, mm. they would have tried to make it like Twin Peaks. Yeah. But because it was the original guy. Yeah. And it's, he, it's Lynch, you know, he's not going to yeah. fuck it up. <laughs> no, he he. It's gonna be fucked up. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> but he's not gonna fuck it up. And it's like it's like this thing. Like I comes back. I was talking about this with comedy recently. It's like you don't want to be the next Bill Hicks. You don't want to be the next. Yes. Because they were the first. Yes. That's why they're good. Because they weren't the next such and such. They were the first. Completely. The people that you idolize. You got to be yeah. the first William Stone. Yeah. Which you are, thankfully. Trying to. Um. I, like if I'd started, I'm so lucky I didn't start doing comedy when I was 23. I'm so glad. Oh my god, I would have been trying to be Bill Hicks with none of the, the life experience. Don't you with people? I know there's loads of amazing comics that are way better than me that are like 19. Yeah, but oh, yeah. so many the Dave young... Chappelle's, the guys who yeah. start when they're like four. <laughs> and you get those a type of young male comic at an open mic, and it's like this is like the seed of something there. But like you don't have the kind of cachet as to like talk about these subjects as a young mm. persons. Like you haven't lived enough to see why this might be hurtful or like, yeah. or that we've already thought about this, mate, you know, yes. or whatever, you know? So, yes, yes. and I think I would have totally been guilty of that. And it's like, some people use it as a soapbox rather than mm. a way to entertain. It's like, I'm going to make the world how I think it should be, yeah. which is again, that's, that's a whole genre in itself of comedy. Mm. One that I'm not very keen on, no. but I would never say it should or shouldn't be that. Yeah. Know? Yeah. I think, yeah, as I say, just don't copy them. Mm. Do them the respect of being the next one, you know. Yeah, this is making me nostalgic for the start of the, the podcast. Of the po- when, we, <laughs> when we were talking about that, <laughs> when we had the whole world ahead of us. That was that was the hour. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I feel good about this. Um, yeah, do you want to go on to the end? Do, yeah, do, do if you want like, yeah, to the... the other, the other bits. Yeah, that'd be yeah, fun. yeah. I don't know if I had any more points about nostalgia. I mean, I mean, I mean oh, there's one thing. Let's say when you're talking about re-editing your your past, yes. what, what are the things you put in? Unlike nostalgia as the as the you know the the missingness, unlike mm. the sadness, you've invented a warm, happy place. The nineties, kind of, yeah, but it's it's more of a, a naivety, and I think it's again because so much of comedy, like it's different for us, and I'll never know what it's like to be an audience member ever again. I feel like because mm. once you've seen behind the curtain, it's kind of hard to. Yeah. But for me, because I see so much, I'm like, I don't want to hear about Brexit. I don't want to hear about Tinder. I don't want to hear about Trump. Mm. Like. You've got to be have a really good point for me to care about you. As soon as you say those words, I'll be like, I'm not interested. Mm. I, I don't know this, but I think that's what the general public feel like. It's like, I turned my TV off, I left the house, I came to be entertained. Mm. Like, I don't want to hear about that. That's what I'm getting away from. And I think part of my act, I hope there's going to be a new wave of kind of like just silliness in comedy. Yeah, it's, it's already like just, started. I've just, had a couple yeah. of conversations with people in Edinburgh mm. this year and they're yeah. like... You know what we're done with yeah. the with the confessional. Yeah. Uh, let's go. Let's go silly. Yeah, no, I think I'm hopefully like 
slightly ahead of the curve on that. But it wasn't like a conscious, it wasn't like a, a career decision or anything. Mm. When I'm serious, I want to be serious. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And when yeah. I want to, when I want to talk politics, I will, you know, talk into the night about it with you. But when I'm doing comedy, please don't. I want to, yeah. <laughs> but when I'm doing comedy, I want to do comedy, and it's kind of like there's no reason why they can't overlap. And again, I'm not saying you should or shouldn't, but for me, I would feel. It's like, I can't be funny unless I'm being silly. Yeah. And I think that's something that is in my... I'm quite a silly person. So that's, again, why it is revealing, because I'm, I'm silly with mm. my friends. I'm silly with my family all the time, you know. And that comes out in my character in just a slightly more contrived way, that's all. I, I'm you convinced know. that you've always been the same type of funny your whole life. I think even mm. though you went and did the clown course and all sure, that kind of sure. stuff, I think the way your brain works has always been the same... Yeah, and, uh, you don't strike me as one of those guys who's who's tried a bunch of different personas right, and see right. which one works. That's sure. not what I get from you. I feel like you were being funny when you were fifteen in school. In fact, I think the thing that you, you had that made you funny, mm. you were you were denying. You were probably Maybe. repressing it. Like you were you probably like just bringing the teddy. <laughs> bringing the teddy to, to camp that's fucking genius like to the kid who shows up with a teddy you, like if you like like if you just owned that it would be yeah. fucking great you know well I think I've always kind of I remember I was telling Kate about this recently where I had this I used to be a, little, a lot more introverted and stuff but still funny I think but this friend introduced me to some of his friends and he said oh you love Billy he doesn't say <laughs> he doesn't say much very often but when he does it's You'll yeah. be like, where did that come from? Yeah. And the, the the phrase I've I've never I don't never looked it up and understood it, but someone said you're like a cat in a tree. I don't know what that phrase means, wow. but it's kind of like you suddenly like you become aware of it. You're like, whoa, where did the cat come from? Sort of thing, like <laughs> you know. Um, but now I, that it's I think, here, I don't even really understand that to, phrase. I but, want to stroke it. Yeah. So I was, and, and the, in the way that I was a class clown, but not in that way. Like I was like jumping up on the tables and like rolling over. Yeah. You know, I was kind of like, I'd say something just at the right moment that sometimes. I think I've sort of weirdly inherited this from my mum where she had this, uh, it's not even, I don't know, you might find this not funny at all, but I think <laughs> this is genius. Okay. Um, she was late for work once when she was quite young and so and the, uh, her boss said, um, you should have been here at 8.30 and she said, why, what happened? <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. And I feel like I've kind of inherited that in a weird way. It's like I, I would do that sort of, I know, I remember the, the best, I feel like the best joke I ever wrote yeah. got nothing. And I really? Wasn't, I wasn't, oh, I got to hear I wasn't now. a comedian or anything. I was in college mm-hmm. and I went to like a slightly posh college that had its own like canal attached to it where people would do rowing after school. And stuff. That is the metric for posh college. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I got kicked out. So, you know, I've got some working class kudos. Cool. Um, yeah, man. <laughs> the, um, <laughs> the, um, the note went round to say that the boating after school, mm-hmm. after college, is cancelled today because of the rain. And I said, are they afraid of getting the boats wet? <laughs> and I got nothing because it's like because I was just like obviously it's just a stupid thing. it's a bit of a dad joke but I was like come on come on no, like, yeah, and no, one I'm friend worried, across I'm the other side of the room well is just like really side. trying to like hide his that's laughter the, right. and it's like that's what I'm going for and I always have often like sometimes even if gigs going badly hmm. I'll have one person that can't contain themselves and they're trying because yes. no one else is laughing they feel like they can't that but is, I can that see is, that they're that like, is who we do this for yeah. it's always for that guy <laughs> or that girl I completely agree mm. I love that I love that. Your best joke you've ever written and nobody yeah, laughed. No, no one laughed. It's tough crowd. Probably. I think Business studies. Like... I, bet that's true. I bet that's true of every comedian. Yeah, totally. Every comedian's best joke nobody laughed. Mm. I bet. But again, it's like, so it's not that kind of, like, I wasn't the class clown like, oh, everyone's like, oh, he's the funny guy, but I'd come out with something. Mm. And I think it's really relatable because everyone feels like a fool in some situation. Mm. And the whole point of my character is I don't quite get it. Yeah. 
and we've all got somewhere like whether it's with our families like oh I never I always feel like the odd one out and they all get on so well mm. or like at, at work I, like, I always say something that shows I don't really understand that yeah. how the spreadsheet works or whatever even though it's a very specific character I think it's really relatable because we all feel stupid in some situations it's the only thing that we all have in common mm-hmm. and yet we're afraid to, to yeah. admit to it that's brilliant I love it all right, let's do the game. Let's do the game. Okay, okay. we end the we end the podcast with uh, my guest will tell me something that they don't love that everyone else in the world seems to love. You're mm. kind of out of step with, and then the other one is that you have to just tell me something that you do love and just sell it to me. Just process. Okay, cool, cool. You know, I always like to end it on a positive. So uh, sure, sure. Uh, yeah, go take it away. Uh, start with start with the bad one. Um, my bad one is something that people love that I just don't can't get on board with, and I can't it, like really grinds me mm. up the wrong rubs me up the wrong way mm. is memes I cannot stand mm. for two reasons one there's a, a subsect of memes that I really can't stand which is shitposting shit like anything that excludes people that don't understand the two things that are in it yes. it's like that's the yes. opposite of what I try and do with comedy it's like yes. we were saying about references and stuff before it's like if it's good everyone should be able to get it it sounds mm. almost like a, a kind of a not sanctimony sort of religious thing but like if, it's, <laughs> if something is genuinely good anyone should be able to enjoy it yes is what I feel yes again I'm very wary of the word should with comedy but that's fine that's fine but, um, but with those, those things anything that reduces comedy to a formula hmm. some of the the magic's gone it's just like what you said though earlier you mm. said that you like doing niche references but you always have to make sure all the information is in it so yeah, it can yeah. be understood yeah, if you have it to a point where nobody understands it mm. then it's not yeah it's exclusory yeah and I think that's Bad for comedy. Yeah. I, no, no, I'm, <laughs> I'm it's about, it's Surely it's about, if you've got a room full of people, I mean, there's ways you can manipulate and you, you, like Stuart Lee does clever things where he yeah. creates divisions in the audience and stuff. But ultimately it comes down to making everyone enjoy it. Like, do you get pissed off by a lot of things? You don't seem like yeah, a moody guy. I do, I think. You yeah, I get, I, I do, and I get disproportionately angry at things that really are inconsequential. You know <laughs> I mean, so it's like, yeah. I, mine is uh, coffee in a glass. Oh yeah, because you can't pick it up. It's yes, it's yeah, hot. It's why, it's, why is it in a glass? And it will get cold quicker, surely. Give it to me in a fucking enamel mug. Mm, mm. I I I drink it out of an elephant's tusk if I could. <laughs> so like, that's yeah. yeah. My mine would be memes. I just think it's I, I anything think, that excludes yeah. like cause there's something that I can't remember. I wish I could remember the exact wording, but it's sort of a nostalgia thing too. Is that um, Ken Dodd mm. sort of said when people like sort of swear, it's like. It just it kind of ruins the joke. It's like, is, yeah. if you can't say it in front of everyone, then is it worth yes. saying almost, you know, like, and there's a purity to like a joke that anyone can enjoy. It's yeah. kind of, um, and it's, and again, ultimately it's about bringing people together. You know, it's about making, working that crowd so they all get on side mm-hmm. and stuff. And anything you could do to enhance that is an asset. I, I have a friend who, who I really love. He's like, she's a millennial, mm. but she's always memeing. And right, it's not right. even shit posting. It's like, just right. like, you know, the kind of memes that normal people use, right, the kind right, of right. the inspirational, hopeful ones. Oh, got you. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. for New Year's, she she posted one a meme that just said, um, "Ask me to you know tell me something to say something to me for the New Year," and I just want I, I had to stop myself going <laughs> stop posting memes. Like, just like, <laughs> Because yeah. it's just like you're right. Absolutely right. It's just like I see them, and it's like the closest I get is gifs. I like a good gif. Yeah. Okay. Same. And sometimes I'm guilty. But you don't of need it. to I'm know like... what it. You don't need to know what the meaning of it is. It, well, it's like, like, it doesn't yes, exclude yeah. you. But ironically, I'm such a hypocrite because sometimes I'll take a meme and I'll make fun of the meme with the meme. So that's just right. even more meta. So like, I'm excluding even more. Are you telling me you're shit posting your shit posters? <laughs> I know. Yeah. I know. And. Um, <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's to me, and it's, again, it's there's no way of saying this without sounding snobby, and maybe I am. No, it's, but, not, it's but nice to, have, to, a, me, nice the to meme, have a limit. Yeah. yeah, but to me, the meme the meme is to comedy what karaoke is to music. 
Yeah. Jeremy's like, if you make something that anyone can do badly and still be good, it's like, is it what's it worth? That's so you know interesting. I mean? yeah. But like, yeah. Um, I just, it's not. It's inconsequential. But I, I do worry about because you know people talk about there's the whole debate around whether political correctness is damaging the comedy. Yes. I genuinely think memes are way more damaging. <laughs> I really do, because it makes anyone think they can do it, and they know, like, oh, you know, yes. when it yes, reduces yes, yes. it to a formula, it, it, you lose some of the magic. Immediate culture, like, I need this now, mm. like, is, I guess, what a meme epitomises, I think. Exactly. Because it's like, if you post it two hours too late, it's like, oh, we've already seen that. Mm. Do you know what I mean? There's that kind of thing, and it's like, well, it should be good always if it's good. Yeah. Okay, uh, my, my hope for this is that people will listen to this podcast and then start shit-posting shit you yeah, yeah. relentlessly. Yeah, I've, I've walked myself into that. move into a cave somewhere. <laughs> um, okay, that's, all right, I, I'm well behind that one. Good. What do you love, sir? So, my I really... So many things I could have chosen for this. and mm-hmm. But what I've gone for, and I said I was going to circle around to this, is Pee Wee Herman. Really? Yes, Amazing. yeah. So, um, I've got a tattoo of him on my leg. I, I love him so much. It's... This is like one of those things where, again, like I didn't realise that I'd like it was an influence until like, I, I had no intention of doing comedy until mm. three years ago when I started. Wow. Like it was kind of like I had the idea to start about six months before I started. There's no like I've always wanted to be a comedian kind of right. thing, which is fine, and I think that's great. But I think actually that helped me because I didn't have this preconceived idea of what it yes. should be, and so yes. on, and so on, and so on. You weren't already practicing yeah. trying to be funny. Because that makes for a fucking obnoxious 20. <laughs> yeah. But funnily enough, the way I put my first set together, I went back through my Facebook feed and found these individual sort of funny sentences. Hmm. And that formed the structure of my set. And that's kind of what made the one line. That's so interesting. Yeah. I had all these individual thoughts and they just kind of stayed that way. <laughs> well, that's perfect. I think because that means that you truly are not, you know, just coming up with... That means it is truth. Yeah, and another one where... I have the, 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 the testicles joke. And that came... Like, was, <laughs> That's a great one. Weirdly autobiographical. That, I think that could be the first one I remember you saying. I think it must have been all the way back in, like, Dogstar. Yeah, In, like, yeah. 2016, I think, yeah. was when I saw that, that, that <laughs> testicles joke. Oh, really? But, like, it's one of those where it's like, you know when you're told to look for lumps? And I was like, okay, I'll, I should probably do that. Yeah. It's like, how do you find a lump in a bag of lumps, is what I had thought in my yes, head. Yes. And then that's how I got the idea for the multiple testicles joke. Yeah, yeah. But, um, but yeah, so Pee-wee. <laughs> <laughs> From testicles, multiple testicles to Pee-wee. Earlier in the podcast, you were talking about masturbating in a cinema. So, you know, yes. it's all coming from It's all connected. Circle, it's, it's an ellipsis. <laughs> but um, no, I think there's something about, like I said, the comedy I love is, I love really dark stuff. I love mm-hmm. political stuff. I love satire. I love loads of time. I'm not just fence-sitting. I love every type of comedy. Mm. But there's a special place in my heart for the comedy that anyone can get, and that's Pee Wee Herman. So, mm. like, you can be a four-year-old and find it hilarious the way he falls off his bike, right. his silly voice, his goofy outfit. Mm. You can watch it as an adult and be like, wait a minute, did he say that cloud looks like a train pulling into a station? <laughs> like, there's obviously a sexual reference and stuff like... And it's like, who is this for? When you yeah. watch it, it's like, it's, I love things that I don't understand. Amazing. Well, for and dis- like, full disclosure, I've never watched it. Oh, really? I mean, I know who he is. I sure. know his cultural scene. We were talking about nostalgia. Again, I, I feel like an imposter. Yeah. <laughs> I can't be like the guy in like um, a High Fidelity who shaves his head and then pretends he's been a punk his whole life. So it's like, <laughs> yeah. I never if, if I, 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 I never say that. I never go, oh, right, yeah, I know right. what you're talking about. But like, no. this is great because it means you can, you can mm, explain mm. it to me. Well, as because I know you're a huge film fan. You'll yeah. find this fascinating too. It's not just that he's great to me because I just find it funny. But I didn't realise until fairly recently, just sort of like reading into him a bit more and stuff, how... Imagine this, right? So, the first Pee-wee film, mm-hmm. directed Tim, by Tim Burton. Tim Burton's first film, first I film. believe. Right. First film. Pee-wee Herman, Paul Rubens, fought for him. He wasn't on the list of directors. Wow. He wanted him because he'd seen Frankenweenie. 
Right. And was like, and they got kind of got paired up via um, Shelley Duvall, weirdly. Really? Yeah, oh paired them up. And he fought for him and he, he got him. And that was the first film that he, that Tim Burton worked with Danny Elfman with. That, wow. imagine Hollywood without Danny Burton Elfman and Danny Elfman. Or, oh or just God. either, either or, but together that combo. Yeah. And that's, so without Wee, that wouldn't have happened. You that's know, incredible, so like, yeah. yeah. And I so it even, holds up as well. It sounds like the type of film that holds up. I yeah, kind of Steve Martin way, you know. Yes, or, or is, yes. Is that, am I, am it's I, am I totally, that yeah. Right? It's it's kind of it's timeless because in itself it's a nostalgia trip. So he's like a Howdy Doody doll, yeah. You know, and it's kind of like it's this weird because like I have his face in my mind, but I don't know anything about him. Yeah, and, and he's never been another character, has he? Does he, is he um, does he ever play any other characters? Because he well, sort of. He was in Blues Brothers very briefly. Really, he's one of the waiters um, at the restaurant where they try and get the band back together. Amazing. He's, he's one of the waiters, but he's also in Thirty Rock. Is he? As, uh, Lord, um, I can't remember his name. Uh, <laughs> he's the one with the little tiny hand and he's in a wheelchair. So I've seen him a lot, but yeah, just uh, didn't know it was him. Yeah. Because I always think of Pee Wee Herman as like, who is he? Is he just a guy who's always, like the Chuckle Brothers, like he's always well, been that guy. Interestingly, coming back around to what I was saying earlier with Acaster and stuff, is he was introduced to the world. It's like, is this real or not? His first appearance was on Dateline, which is like the American version of Blind Date. Mm. And he went on it as Pee Wee Herman. Wow. And it's kind of there's a few apparently a few comedians that have, that's been their entry into the TV, but and it was kind of people like who's this weird guy that's like a child? You know? So you mean it was like you know the, the equivalent in uh, our circuit nowadays would be going on first dates? Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of comedians, but in have character, done that, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like this big kid, and mm. like that, that adults can like and kids can like, and there's no like I said, there's this weird sort of sort of sexual references in one of the films, <laughs> but it isn't. It's not like you'd be uncomfortable watching it with children or anything. You know what I mean? It's kind of, no. it's like, you know what they do kind yeah. of jokes in a lot of Pixar films where it's clearly yeah. for the adults and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's kind of like, I don't know, there's nothing else like it. And it's sort of Kaufman-esque in that way. Like, you know, we'd have these really sort of really sincere, sweet moments in these shows where he'd be like, it was just for the kids. Like, mm. and it's okay. Like, there's something really, yeah, pure about a kid and, and like a four-year-old kid and a dirty old man can find the same thing funny. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> I, think I just want that sentence on a mug. <laughs> a four-year-old kid and a dirty old man could find the same thing funny. And those, I'll drink to that. There's <laughs> mud in your eye. No, I love that. No, I think that's great. And also, I think what you're talking about as well is unironic. Yes, it's, comedy. It's so there's and no sentiment. no cynicism at all. There's no no one's being made fun of. Mm. No one's the butt of the jokes. Everyone, well, everyone's the butt of the joke. You yeah. Know, so, but I think you could you're arguing that's like the the nowadays we've been talking about the kind of bastardization of nostalgia. Mm. Yes, yes. So yep. much uh, uh, we we get we have all the stuff, but there's mm. what's gone is any of the uh, yeah. authenticity. Mm. It's all ironic now. Yeah, yeah. But no, so so Pee Wee Herman, um, yeah. just sell it to me and like 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 give, give me the give me the why I should watch it, why I should just go away and watch it right now because um, I'm, I'm excited now. I feel should, like yeah. it's been missing from my life for a long time. <laughs> no, seriously, because I've always like noticed every time I see his face, I feel yeah. shame. No, I genuinely. <laughs> have you funny. ever had that where you see you sort see of, some, yeah, and I feel like I should know about this. You or, see yeah. some important piece of culture and you kind of go, oh, I, I'm, I'm too late. Mm. I feel the same way about Twin Peaks. Sure, in fact, sure. your entire body, your naked body, <laughs> is just associating my is my failure. Okay. <laughs> oh wow. Um, yeah. I think it's just yeah. It's for me. It's the unabashed joy. It's silly. It's timeless. Like mm. I said, because it's he's this kind of child caught out of time. It's like is this weird fifties like child that's in the modern era, mm. and it's kind of weird. And like he'll. Some of his friends are children, some of his friends are adults, and there's no explanation. There's no, like, you don't have to understand. There's no missing piece of the puzzle. It's kind of like, it's just 
you accept it for what it is the reality mm. that this guy is and you're not watching like what the fuck's wrong with this guy it's just you accept yeah. it and he doesn't have there's that, no it's yeah. not making fun of like oh those people that are like this and there's no cynicism to it whatsoever and it's just joyful and fun and colourful I mean I'm talking specifically mostly about uh, Pee Wee's Big Adventure which was the first, the first one. one yeah and there are other films but that's that's the pinnacle that's mm. as good as it gets it's like the first Austin Powers like, yeah, it's just, yeah it'll never be as Authentic as that sure. first one, yeah. Mm. Good man, I like that. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go away and watch you that. Should. You should. Fantastic. And look, there's lots of like in the TV show. There's weird cameos like um, what's his name? Uh, I always forget his name. That's um, Morpheus from Matrix. Lawrence Fishman. Is is a, plays a cowboy in Pee Wee's. Um, <laughs> In, Love the, in, it. in the Pee Wee show when he's just like in his house and it's like it is like a proper out and out kids show and he I can't remember his name when was this Clive when did this happen in the 90s so, so mid 90s so before yeah, the Matrix like, oh yeah 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 oh wow and oh interesting one too Pee Wee's character is written with Phil Hartman mm. um, so yeah it's just it's just an important part of comedy history I think right. and again like again with the nostalgia like all harping back to a time when it was okay to just be silly and that was enough I'm yeah. not saying like it should go back. I'm not saying it's, there's anything wrong with now, but that's in itself is nostalgic. Like oh, I could just laugh at it, and mm. it's like it wouldn't divide anyone on any political lines. Like oh yeah. well, I actually am for Brexit, or like yeah. I don't use Tinder. You know, it's yeah, kind of like it's yeah, just exactly. like the the worst dividing line is like I think this is a bit too silly. You know, that's the worst. <laughs> you can say about it. That's the worst you can say about it. You know, yeah, yeah. yeah. You should just go promise. <laughs> <laughs> so that's my that's my piece on on Pee Wee. I think I could have sold it better, and I. I think I owe it to Paul Rubens, but um, that's the, that's one uh, I'm going to get Rubens on yeah, this podcast. Yeah, you should. And he's going to just shit post everything that you've said. <laughs> <laughs> that's one final point on nostalgia and Pee Wee. And I think this will finish off nicely. Is okay. when it goes wring <laughs> is so when they made the new one, the Judd Apatow one, mm. it was just it just wasn't right. Mm. And I don't know if it's just because everything was right, but it was. There were a, f- a bit, few, two kind of like hokey references and stuff, but yeah. it's kind of like they just remade the first film, but badly. Right. That's what it felt like. It's like, you either need a total departure, like, this is what Pee-wee's like now, or just, because it felt like, oh, it just made me sad, like, his voice isn't as high anymore because he's aged, and like, he looks older, and it kind mm. of, and it's suddenly, there's something okay about a guy in his 20s, 30s being this childlike character, but like, yeah. a guy in his 50s, like, right, it's yeah. a bit weird. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. Uh, and it kind of ruined the memory, and I had to immediately go back and watch, right. the, you know, the first film to kind of get it out of my system. Thank you so much, because now I know not to even yeah. go near it. Because I love George Apatow, and I, I, you know, I thought, they can't get this wrong, because he's, he's a, a fan. lifelong he's a, fan, a, yeah. He's such a fan of, of yeah. every type of comedy, so he mm. would, you know that he would want to get it right. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Right, well, do you have anything to plug? I mean, you, you, you've, um, got, you've got a show coming up and then you're going to be taking it to Edinburgh? Yeah, well, yeah. My, so it's definitely going to Brighton Fringe. I'm doing my first solo show, 40-minute show, mm-hmm. work in progress called Gathering Moss. Love it. Um, and that's going to be at Brighton Fringe on the 29th of May till the 1st of June at 8 o'clock every night. And uh, it's at Junkyard Dogs, which is now at the Bright Helm Centre. It's moved. And then hopefully I'm taking... I haven't got a venue yet, but I've mm. just been applying. So yeah, um, yeah. maybe by the time this comes out, uh, <laughs> I don't know how long it takes, um, I'll have a venue. But uh, fingers crossed I'll get a, a venue for Edinburgh and I'll be taking it there as well. Amazing. All right. Well, everyone, uh, remember the name William Stone, uh, first of his kind. He will be uh, doing that show and go seek it out because he's brilliant. Um, this has been 50 Uses for the Word Love. Thank you. Say goodbye. Uh, <laughs>
It's because you said you didn't. It's because you, you said you changed. So well. It's because you, you said I know. I'm, I'm so bad at this podcast thing. Also, it's like you, you. You told me you changed your name, so suddenly I was like, "Who are you?" Oh yeah, that just threw people. Yeah, yeah. Jean Valjean will be back next week. No, um, <laughs> uh, say goodbye, William. Goodbye, William. I'm Stephen Trumbull, and I love you. <laughs>